Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Guess what day it is. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the week. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN, where it's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker, and we were just talking about Kerry's Super Bowl days here during the during the approach to this show. And... Uh, Heck, we're almost at the playoffs. It's amazing. We, you and I were talking about this yesterday after the show, how we played 18 weeks in what seemed like a blink. <laughs> it's gone by extremely fast. And I was saying, if you are the Houston Texans or a team like the Chicago Bears, it's gone by Thank extremely goodness. slow. Yeah. It's been a long season, and you're you're happy that you're finally at the end. Uh, but those teams that have been you know, fighting, scratching and clawing for a playoff spot, um, they're right here. It's right mm-hmm. here. Opportunity week 18 uh, for a few teams winning you're in, and, and a few other teams got to wait to see. If a, if a team in front of them loses. What was the first year you started doing stuff on this station, whether it was Rams pre or post? Or, you remember? I think it was 2012. Okay, because we were talking then. In 2012, we were at the point where we started talking about the draft in October. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was, uh, it was an early, early. We, we still, so, so this player in college is doing such a great job. Yeah. We, we definitely need an <laughs> offensive guard and, a, you know, a three technique would be uh, mm-hmm. sufficient for it. It, it was it was. We knew we knew pretty early on. It piqued our interest in college yeah, football. Yeah. I never thought about that, Randy. I'm in radio because the Rams sucked. Because I started doing <laughs> I started doing like draft stuff in high school. Because I'm like, well, they're gonna go three and thirteen this year, so I might as well find something to interest me in the season. And then I got into the draft, and now I'm here. Draft was our Super wow. Bowl. Yeah, okay. it was. Getting ready. But that's not the way it's going to be for your St. Louis Blues, who came away with another victory last night, 5-3 over the Devils in New Jersey. The Blues have obviously struggled at home and on the road this year. But last night, got a lead. Jordan Cairo scoring his 19th of the year, 11:47 into the game, and the Blues had a 1-0 lead. Back comes Jack Hughes in Jersey with a couple of goals, 2-1 in favor of the Devils before Ivan Barbashev ties it at 2, 16-27 into the second period. But then in the third, the Blues in a tie game went to number 20. Barbashev, far wing, wide open, Sot into the middle, shoots and scores! Deeked his way around one, cut it back to the slot, buries it, and the Blues lead again. It's 3-2 St. Louis, 17-33 to go in the third. Kerry, when Doug Armstrong made the announcement the other day that uh, that Tarasenko and O'Reilly were going to be out for a while, one of the players he referenced as having to play better was Brandon Saad, and all of a sudden, Brandon Saad's playing better. Well, I mean, you get more opportunities, you get more chances, you you show that you're able to be uh, a better player, and and the fact that ownership and coaches are looking for you to be a better player, it, it puts a little bit of more juice into you and saying, hey, I got to do this to help our team out. We know we got two of our big guys down. Our, our captain is down. And, and so we got to figure out ways to win games. 
and and I mean, we asked who is going to help uh, Kyrou and Thomas, who are mm-hmm. going to be the guys. I think Shin and Side were were two names that came up immediately, saying, "Okay, they, those two have to play better, or play play more, um, um, and see how well this team can go." Side from Barbershev and Achari at two twenty seven. Then midway through the period, got some insurance. Kyrou's pass gets lucky, deflects to Falk, who keeps it in the zone. They go to Shin, wrap around, they shoot, they score! Robert Thomas from Braden Shin, and the Blues with a power play goal make it 4-2, 10-07 to go in the third. Thomas from Shen and Buchnevich on the power play. Blues lead 4-2. They go on to win it 5-3 as Thomas scores an empty netter at 19-17. Thomas with two goals in what is now known as the opening drive bump. You, you show up on the opening drive in the morning, you score a couple of goals at night. Hey, it, it sounds like a real thing. And maybe some people should uh, should should, should look attention. into that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd like to apologize to St. Louis. Apparently... Uh, we just got to get Robert Thomas on in the morning of game days instead of off days. Yeah, I've been making this is my this has been my fault. He did he'd be he'd be putting up Tage Thompson numbers if I would just be getting him on, on game <laughs> days. Exactly right. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. So the Blues win at five to three. They're two and zero oh without O'Reilly and Tarasenko. Coach Craig Berube, what do you think of that? Uh, I thought the Shen line was good tonight. Uh, they produced for us. Uh, got a couple goals and. Um, you know, we had a lot of guys that battled hard tonight and did some good things. Um, so, again, it's a win. So we'll take the win and we'll move on and we'll uh, get ready for Montreal. And Montreal is tomorrow. Hockey night in Canada. That's a 5 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. And, Kerry, I, we, we've seen this before. Teams have the ability to circle the wagons. And we've talked about how in hockey it's such a team game and Panger has talked about it if you play a system you can win in hockey without superstar players and that's what the Blues have been able to do really their only superstar the last two games and I know he's allowed goals but it's Jordan Bennington he's the guy that's made the, the biggest difference he's been playing extremely well and and I know you look at the score over five three goals yeah that, I understand that but he is saving making saves making beautiful saves it, it's the it's the the amount of shots that he's taking at times that are that are getting to him, um, but he's been playing extremely well. And and we talked about the defense in front of him being better. I think it was a little bit better last night. I think it still can be even better than than that. And um, if you allow, if you prevent those shots, like I said, getting bodies on bodies and making sure guys are not able to take those shots, it will help Jordan Bennington out. There's one thing, Randy, that I still I still do not like, and that is when there are. Opposing players in front of the net, you know, jabbing at the puck, trying to get it out while while Bennington is holding it. Our guys don't grab their guys. That drives me nuts. It it, it really because that's a tone setter. That tells you, do not touch him. Do not he he has it. It's his. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a faceoff. And our guys tend to they just let other players keep sticking it sticking yep. there and, and jabbing at it and and we don't there's no response to that that doesn't that doesn't sit well with me. That was one of the underrated aspects of the game of Jay Bowmeister is that he would get his body in there. He wasn't a physical player, but he'd at least get his body in there. And then he had such a good stick that he was one that could jab with those guys and get the puck out of the zone. Yeah, we don't see that from the Blues now. You're exactly right and. I don't think that they have anybody that has that instinctive ability to do it. I think it's a, a skill that can be taught, but some guys just have sports ability. Right. And he has such great vision and angle knowledge on the ice, and they really don't have that guy now. Got to find it. Yep. Yeah, that's one of the somebody's things. Gonna have to, somebody's going to have to get a... Look, take a take a grit pill and 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 see if they can have that in them and and be a little bit of a yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit of a Richard. Yeah, 
Yeah, a little, a little bit. Not a, you know, just a little bit. So now at 19-17-3, and three, the Blues 41 points in 39 games. Calgary has played 39 games, and the Blues are two points behind them. And if you think we feel bad with everything that's happened with the Blues this year, how would you like to be the Colorado Avalanche, the defending Stanley Cup champs? They're tied with the Blues at 41 points. Yeah, well, They've had a lot of injuries, and there's a long have. way to go. I mean, 41 games were... Uh, for some of the teams are, are halfway through. The Blues will be halfway through at the end of this road trip. They are playing well, playing better. It, it's surprising. I was just reading a text that said, I, I bought my tickets to the panic bus when Tarasenko and O'Reilly went down. Can I get a <laughs> refund? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think they are playing better. And, and, you know, we were listening to Army the other day talking about playing the game the right way. I'm hoping that they are starting to make that shift to make that change and, and understand that these are the things that will help us win. Um, they've done it so far, but now they have to continue it. So the Blues win at 5-3 over the Devils. By the way, we have a busy weekend of sports in, in, in addition to tomorrow night's Blues-Canadians game here on 101 ESPN. Steelers and Browns at noon on Sunday. Seahawks and Rams at 325. And then the Blues uh, pregame is at 5 o'clock on Sunday as they play back-to-back in three out of four. Speaking of the NFL, they announced that they have canceled the Bills-Bengals game. And there will be a vote today to determine what will happen in the playoffs. The scenarios approved by the competition committee include this, a neutral site game for the AFC Championship dependent upon Week 18 outcomes. If Buffalo and Kansas City both win or tie, a Bills-Chiefs AFC Championship game would be played at a neutral site. If Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Baltimore wins or ties, a Bills-Chiefs Championship game would be played at a neutral site. And if Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Cincinnati wins, a Bills or Bengals versus Chiefs Championship game would be played at a neutral site. What do you think? That's a lot of uh, neutral sites. I I think that's the right way to go about it. I if you're not going to play the game, you obviously have two teams with one less game than everyone else in the league. And to try to go by percentages where th- those teams that would have played in those games could have potentially been the number one seed, I think it, it makes it so difficult and unfair for, for everyone involved. And I think this is probably the best outcome to to play the games and, and figure out if they do make it to the AFC Championship game, just play it at a neutral site. That way, the Kansas City Chiefs don't have an unfair advantage because the Buffalo Bills had one less game or, or whatever the case may be. Kerry, I did the math last night. I do, I do math now and then okay. on the computer. What would you come up with on the computer? Indianapolis is 498 miles away from Buffalo and 482 miles away from Kansas City. Sounds like a perfect location. Oh. It's, it, it's a six-hour Indoor. drive for both fan bases indoors. Not yeah. bad. And it's a great stadium. NFL has used it for a Super Bowl, yeah. right? So why not use and, Lucas Oil and, Stadium? And the Colts won't be playing, so it's not like it's going yeah, to interfere right. You don't have to worry about that. Get it ready. <laughs> Get it ready. And how cool, if you're a Kansas City fan, just 70. I mean, yeah, you, you, take, down. you go from your stadium right to their stadium, and you see it. <laughs> right Six there. hours, and you, boom, yeah. you're there. Yep. Uh, not as easy for Buffalo fans, but I do think, and I know Mike Florio wrote a pro football talk, this is a game that should be played in the elements because all these teams play in outdoor stadiums. I think if the NFL has its choice, you don't want the elements to impact the outcome of a neutral site game. A home game, if you're using home field advantage, that's different. But for a neutral site game, I think it should be as clean as possible. I like like the Indianapolis uh, Colts stadium. I I think that would be a good place to play the AFC Championship game if they had to play it there. Go back to Detroit? Too close to Buffalo. That's that's an unfair advantage for Buffalo fans to get there, not KC fans. That's fair. 
So I, this is practically equidistant. I, I, we need Ooh. to make sure that... Oh. oh, thank you. Yeah, there you go. We need to make I sure like we that. get that out there and make sure people know that Randy Carricker came up with it. He did the math I last did. night. Right off the bat. I so. probably did it before Roger Goodell did. If, <laughs> if, if, if we're yeah. judging if he, the alacrity of go. Roger Goodell's actions, yeah. Yeah. I would think that uh, I probably did it quicker than he did. I, I, I would agree, Randy. There are many things that Mr. Goodell could do differently or better. And, you know, just be better, I think, would be. We, we could start there. Be mm-hmm. better. And then you could probably yeah. do better. Okay, I have uh, one more question for you. Okay. Would you be stunned to hear that Jim Harbaugh violated NCAA rules as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines? No, not not particularly. The NCAA is investigating the program for alleged violations during the COVID-19 recruiting dead period. According to ESPN, the violations include alleged impermissible contact with recruits during the dead periods, as well as the use of a defensive analyst for on-field coaching activities. Mm. Is that going to uh, result in some bowl game banishment for for the Michigan Wolverines? Because if so, no, that's 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 going to be the what was the what, what, they're not going to lose scholarships. What did Pete Carroll do when the <laughs> oh, sanctions he, came he, to U.S.? He, he left to go oh, to Seattle. Oh, oh. <laughs> the Pete Carroll playbook. <laughs> I gotta go. It's mm-hmm. been fun. Gotta Weirdly go. perfect timing considering a topic we had earlier this week. Yeah. He's probably, uh, he that? might be out of there. That might that might usher him out the door. Carolina, here I come. See you soon, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Matthew is here. And coming up, we'll take a look at all of the contingencies, not just the Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City contingencies for week 18 as we approach the playoffs in the NFL. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Week 18 in the National Football League is upon us. A couple of games tomorrow and then a full slate on Sunday. Carrie, I want to start with this because I mentioned that we have the Seahawks and Rams on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I, even though I don't love Baker Mayfield, I do defend him because he led the Browns to an 11-5 and record playoffs and then won a playoff game. Is Baker Mayfield actually okay? Is he pretty good? I think he's – I think if you – Baker has had – this is his fifth head coach, fourth head coach mm-hmm. in his in his NFL career, right, which is – fourth, yeah. Which is six years or seven years long. I mean, there's been no stability. There was no stability in Cleveland – um, you had Freddie Kitchens, you had Hugh Jackson, you had uh, St- Steph, Steph, who is the coach now? Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Stefanski. Um, and now you have you have uh, he, Sean McVay. He's in McVay with McVay. Yeah. So you have, and, and we're forgetting Matt Rule. So he's right, had yeah. five coaches in six seasons, if, if I'm not mistaken. And so I think when you have that instability at a head coach position. This is the fifth season. So five coaches in five seasons. Yeah. There is no way you can say that this young man is not a good football player. The the best year you said was Kevin Stefanski's first year in 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 um in Cleveland, twenty twenty, where they went into the super when they went into uh, Pittsburgh, won that game, and I thought they were on the ascend. I thought that was a team that was headed and trending in the right direction, um, but you know a lot of other things took place, and and unfortunately, as the quarterback. You're the one that's looked at and says, okay, you can't play. He had to fall out with OBJ. OBJ goes and wins a Super Bowl and was headed to being the Super Bowl MVP before he got hurt. So now the finger is really pointing at you, Baker. You aren't playing well. Your best receiver wanted to leave. And 
I think if you if and I think he rubs people the wrong way. That's why I say I don't like him that much. <laughs> that's the, personally, but that's I, the I think problem. he might be okay. He might be okay if he finds some stability and and maybe he's found some in LA. We don't know what Stafford is going to do next year. He has a neck and head injury. Um and if he's unable to continue to play, maybe Baker Mayfield can find that stability hoping that Sean McVay actually stays and doesn't leave. I do think it would be really smart for Baker Regardless of what his contract situation is, to stay there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, As at least be and grow. At least be in the same system for a few years. I mean, don't, don't don't take the Jets' job. Do not. Right? Baby, don't don't take it. Just just <laughs> stay in the same. Stay where you are. Find st- some stability because that is stability. If even if the, the the things are falling apart around them, Sean McVay calling offense is going to be the stable thing that they do. Okay, one of the things we've learned this year is that. Pete Carroll is actually pretty good at identifying and developing young defensive backs. Mm -hmm. And the Seahawks will host the Rams. So Mayfield is in Seattle against what I think is a really good young defensive backfield and against the 12s. If Seattle wins and Detroit loses, Seattle is in the playoffs. You're going to have a highly motivated Seahawks team, obviously. And you would think, unless Mayfield can pull off a 90-yard drive with no timeouts left and a minute and a half left. I don't know if he can do that, that Seattle would win that game. He did it once. <laughs> he did. He um, did. I think I, I agree with you. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks did struggle for a while. They, they they had a few games there where they just couldn't find wins, and that really put them in this position. They went 1-4 uh, in their last four games, 1-3 uh, in their last four games. So they are they are a team that was struggling, trying to – write some things they were leading in the NFC East um I mean the NFC West and they had a had a clear path a clear view to winning that division yep. and unfortunately you know they take those three losses in a row and and put themselves in a position where you have to beat the Rams and you have to have the Green Bay Packers lose a game in order to get in I do think that they're the better team I mean we talked about the Rams and their struggles throughout the entire mm-hmm. season Geno Smith is a is a Pro Bowl quarterback. Let's say that again, yeah, right. <laughs> and, and and is playing uh, has been playing extremely well. So I think the I think the Seahawks win this game, um, but it doesn't mean that they're in obviously because they have to wait to see the, the outcome of the Green Bay uh, Detroit game. Okay, here's one of the more remarkable things about this weekend. We all know that the Titans Jaguars winner tomorrow, and that's an ESPN game, is a win and in game. Yep, the Titans win, they win the division. The Jaguars win, they win the division. However. However, even if Jacksonville loses tomorrow, they'll be watching with multiple televisions on Sunday because if Jacksonville loses, but the Dolphins, Patriots, and Steelers all lose, Jacksonville would be in the playoffs. That's absurd. (laughs) (laughs) I I almost want to say, Randy, you know, we were talking about the NFC South and how I felt none of those teams deserve to get in. Mm -hmm. If this, if the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, yeah, if the Jacksonville Jaguars lose to the Tennessee Titans and find a way through some backdoor alley, backdoor channel to get into the playoffs because of three losses by those. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you mean to tell me you're going to have two AFC South teams in the in the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> with losing? Okay. You got me there. <laughs> you got me there. You're telling me that that's a real possibility? No. I would I would be so 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 bothered and unsettled by that by that happening that uh you know hopefully Jacksonville just takes it to the Tennessee Titans and gets it out the way and we don't have to worry about that scenario. Okay, the Patriots and Bills and obviously Buffalo needs to win so that they can get the neutral site, but they still want to have that number 1 seed. So even though the Patriots are win and in, 
Buffalo is going to play their people yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. And so I, I would think that Buffalo should come away with a victory in this one unless the genius just comes up with an incredible plan against the Buffalo off or the yeah the Buffalo offense. I think I think the Bills will win this game. You know, they're they're they've gotten some great news here in the last 24 hours about their their teammate and, you know, the I, I do want to touch on this because it brought chills to me when I when I heard it. The young man asked through through writing, "Did we win?" Mm-hmm. That I mean, I almost shed a tear when I heard that because that is the the psyche of a professional athlete. We can be going through hell, like going through it mm-hmm. in, in every facet, every form. And our first thing is, did we win? Because as a team, as a teammate, that's who I care about, my brothers. And that's why you saw those men crying and and, and tearing up and, and fighting back tears because that's their brother. He wants to win just as bad as they want to win, and they want to see him healthy. And I think if you look at this Buffalo Bills team, that, I mean, not that they needed anything – to, to go forward and, and be a championship mm-hmm. football team, that this situation alone could be the catalyst to take them to a championship. And and if it's play for DeMar or we know what mm-hmm. this game can do to you, we got to take every every single possession like it could be our last because it potentially could be. We say that all the time, and I don't think that people, when we say that, people really believe that that's a possibility, but it is. And so... You're going to be looking at a Buffalo Bills team with fire in their yeah, eyes no and fire in their bellies, and they are they are ready to, to to play this game. I don't think the Patriots stand a chance, and I, I'm not sure that the that that anyone in the AFC is going to stand a chance with them playing it with that type of mindset. They've got a mission to yeah, achieve now, yeah, right? Yeah. Jets and Dolphins. Dolphins need a win and a Patriots loss, so that would be fun because we have a Dolphins golf bag in our office, thanks to Golf Discount of St. Louis. Indeed. And if the Dolphins make the playoffs, not that. They're necess- the Steelers are our team now. Yes. But Michelle's a Dolphins fan. So well, we have to we, convert we her. Want I have to yeah, give we, her a phone call. Yeah, we want her to be happy. Yes. So, right. And if it if a Patriots loss is necessary, all the better. It, it, I mean, yes, definitely. <laughs> if that is a, a prerequisite for, for other teams having success or making it to the playoffs, we will take a Patriots loss any day of the week. Okay. Uh, <laughs> How about uh, the Steelers needing a loss from the Dolphins and the Patriots, plus they have to win their game? I think that them winning their game is 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 feasible. I, the Dolphins losing to the Jets, and I know Tua is not playing, but what's who's playing? Who, the Jets are is Mike White, who didn't yeah. perform well last week. Zach Wilson, the best quarterback this year that they've had is is Joe Flacco, and he's he's not been playing. So you know, you, I don't know what happens in that game. I I, I would think that the Dolphins should win, but. It's a potential that that they don't. The under is thirty eight and a half. Over it's under thirty eight and a half. That's, We're that's, going under there, right? Oh yeah, it's going to be some bad bad football. I would think so. And my boy Mike Mike Young would always say that's bad ball. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and then the Lions and Packers on Sunday Night Football. The winner moves to nine and eight. The Packers obviously are win and in. And the Lions, as we mentioned, need to win the game and they need the loss from the Seahawks to the Rams. So I think this is going to be a good game either way it goes. If the Lions. If the Seahawks win, obviously the Lions know that they're not in. But they have a potential to prevent the Packers, your division rival, from getting in. So that's something to play for. Now, if the Seahawks lose, you clearly have something to play off, play for, which is a playoff spot. And and so that makes the game good as well. I think the, the, this Lions-Packers game is going to be a great game regardless, um, which is why they made it the, the Sunday night game and make sure that everyone mm-hmm. is going to be tuned in. Um, I I know I said the Seahawks are going to win. I, I hope that I, I think they're going to win. But for the Lions' sake, I hope they lose. 
because I would love to see the Lions playing on a Sunday night with all eyes on them with an opportunity to beat their rival, to go into the playoffs, and something they haven't done since 2016. Mm -hmm. They haven't won a playoff game since 1991, was it? Right. And, and and they haven't won a championship since I was I wasn't born at the time, 1957. I believe yeah, I was, it was. I was nah. My yeah, mom wasn't I, born. I wouldn't either. <laughs> so you're right. And here's the, the other fun thing about that is that's a team. I go back at the end of the '99 season. Andy Reid's first year in Philadelphia, greatest show on turf, and mm-hmm. the, the Rams go in there. They didn't play their guys in the second half. But the Eagles won that game, and all of those guys, Donovan McNabb's rookie year, they looked at that as a springboard for what became yep. the five yeah, NFC to the NFC Championship yeah. games. And Tony Dungy had a, a Tampa Bay team that started off, I think they were 0-5 in Tampa in 96 in his first year, and they wound up going on a run at the end, and they won their last game against a decent Bears team. And it they talked about that, Dungy, about how winning that last game was kind of a springboard. This is a real chance for Dan Campbell and the Lions to go into the offseason with a lot of momentum and use it as a springboard against your rivals to start becoming consistently good. It's one of the things that if you are, you know, Dan Campbell, I think everyone laughed at him. I'm, I'm sure everyone, oh, kneecaps and biting mm-hmm. kneecaps and you, you're crazy, man. This team fights and they play with that type of intensity and that type of mindset. And if you are a Detroit Lions team, not only do you have a chance to make it to the playoffs if the Seahawks lose, uh, keep prevent your, your rival from making it to the playoffs if you win, you also have a chance to have a winning record. This is a team, Randy, that this is a franchise that went 0-16 at one point. They won one of third. No, that was the that was the Browns. Browns yeah, but they were they were right there. Yeah, they are right they there. are them and the Browns have been miserable and, and the St. Louis Rams miserable franchises while they were while they were in the in the midst of it. And so you get a guy that is finally coming in. I think Jim Caldwell did an outstanding job. I wish they wouldn't have fired him. Me too. But you get Dan Campbell in after you know many mistakes that you've made over the years. The Matt Patricia era. That was a terrible. Terrible decision. Yeah. Terrible decision. And so, so now... Did you say error? I said error. Oh, error. Oh, error. Okay. error. <laughs> but it, it, it's the same thing. Uh, and so <laughs> they have a chance to, to have a winning record, potentially make it to the playoffs. I, I, I'm excited about what the future holds for this De- Detroit Lions football team. Yeah, I think America would love to see Detroit win. That would be great for, for their city and obviously for fans of that franchise who have been very, very loyal. That's Kerry. I'm Randy, and there you have it. Uh, that is the setup for the weekend in the National Football League. By the way, two games tomorrow. You've got Chiefs Raiders at... 3.30, and that game's on ESPN, and then ESPN and ABC, both games on ESPN and ABC, Titans-Jaguars, I believe Joe Buck and Troy Aikman have the Titans-Jaguars game tomorrow at 7.15 on ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some golf with Jay Delsing here on the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We talk a lot about motivation here on the opening drive, and one of the great motivators in sports is becoming a champion of a tournament on the PGA Tour so that the following January you can go to Kapalua and participate in the Century Tournament of Champions. That's where the PGA Tour is this weekend, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jay Delsing joins us now. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Jay? 
Is Jay there? Nope. Maybe, maybe not. Let's see Can't if we can put him on hold and see if we can get Jay back. But I think it'd be cool to uh, play at Kapalua, and I don't even need to be a champion. I would uh, just like to go down there in January or February and play. I was going to say it'd be cool to win a win a championship. Win, winning a championship would be awesome also. <laughs> Any championship that would send me to Kapalua would be, be great. pretty fun. Yeah, right now, as they play, uh, John Rahm has the lead, tied with Colin Morikawa at nine under par. J.J. Spawn is also at nine under. Tom Kim is one shot off the lead at eight under. And then a large group at seven, including Scotty Scheffler, Matt Fitzpatrick, Aaron Wise, Sanjay M, and Mackenzie Hughes, along with Tom Hoagie. Matthew's having trouble figuring out this thing. Jay, are you there? Now he's hey, there. Good morning, guys. Morning. How you doing? We just... Hi, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. He, I think he's been working on his voice, throwing his voice for the commercial. Hey, 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 it's awesome. I love it. Heating and cooling. I love it every time. <laughs> <laughs> so how cool is it? Uh, I, I would imagine it's really cool for the players to get together for the first tournament of the year down in Kapalua and just kind of reconnect with everybody. Oh, my gosh. And, and you know, you get to play an event, Randy, with no cut. And so you're guaranteed a huge amount of money. Uh, the, the Plantation Golf Course is a really fun course to play, but uh, windy, and, 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 but it is beautiful over in Maui. It, it's, it's all aces. Hey, Jay, I don't know if I told you this, but the last time we all, all three of us went to play golf, uh, I was asking Randy, what did you use? What club did you use? I, I pulled the club out of my bag. I had a, I had a, I had a six, six iron. And Randy's like, oh, no, 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 use a seven or eight. You, you, you'll be good. I'm like, you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah, you're good. And I, so I hit it with a, I think I hit it with an eight, mm-hmm. and I dunked it into the water. <laughs> and Randy said, oh. Guess you should have used the club that you had. Have <laughs> you ever had a caddy suggest a club that you felt that was you felt in your heart was the wrong one, but you went with the caddy uh, and, and it didn't work out in your favor? Oh, it's happened before, Kerry. That is a it, there, there are some some interesting conversations that go on after <laughs> after that after that. It's like um, and and not very often. Most of the time, I would I would really go with what I believed in. We'd have a a few conversations and it, it would get pretty ugly walking to that next shot. There would be some, some interesting things said. And he, he felt as bad as anyone, but not as bad as me because the, <laughs> the double bogey goes up next to my name. That is. Has it ever been a time where he was right and you were wrong? Oh yeah. We don't talk too much about that either. <laughs> you know, we, 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 do. We, 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 we've had a few of those as well where, you know, you, you take the club you want to hit, and you hit it really nicely, and it flies the green or something, and he looks at you, and I'm like, I know, I know. I should have done, you know, just, <laughs> just be quiet and let's carry the bag and let's figure this out from there. Do you ever, because you really do have to have conviction when you get up there to swing the club. When you're playing by yourself, how often does it happen to you that, that you're debating, having an internal debate about what club to use? Oh, my gosh. When I was younger, guys, see, when – when you're when you play those th- that indecision, if you hit a shot with that indecision, that goes into the mental uh, mistake bag. And when I was younger, I would uh, do that all the time, especially with my putting, where I'd go, "Well, I, I'm not sure. I think I'm going to just in, instead of making that commitment, that commitment is everything because even if you pull off a shot without the commitment, you haven't built any sort of confident foundation." To, to stay on. So as I got older, I, I, I could I could easily play tournaments without any mental mistakes. When I was younger, oh my gosh, I made them all the time. Where I'm like, well, I just I'll just 
maybe hit this soft or something like that. And it never worked out for me, ever. Is there is there ever a point where you, you maybe you need to hit it with an eight, but you feel more comfortable with the seven or, or something like that? And you say, you know what, I'm just going to I'm going to use this club, even though I can get a little bit more distance with the other one. I did. So I had a, a situation where I was coming down. If, if I made a birdie, I could tie for the lead. And I had this number in my mind that that um, was a perfect eight iron. It was a perfect eight iron. But every time I got over the ball with my eight iron, I'm like, this is too much club. And so I said to my caddy, I said, I don't know what's going on here. And he says, what's up? And I'm like, I, I need I think if I hit a nine, I can hit it close. And I did. I took a nine out. I hit it close, and then I missed the putt. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was just <laughs> aggravating itself. But it was, you know, so a lot of times uh, we'll throw the yardage book away and, and, and say, you know, I know this is 150 yards, but I'm going to hit a nine anyway because I, I, I know it's the right club. And I'd say nine out of ten times it, w- it would be the right one. Jay, a lot of people are going inside and using golf simulators at this time of year when it's so cold outside. <clears throat> and... I, I have found that they've become extraordinarily accurate, right? The, it seems like the simulator is something – previously maybe it didn't help your game a lot, but it seems like they're great now and they can really help your game. Oh, Randy, 100%. Besides, you can get together with your buddies. You can you can um, play a golf course. You know, the, the, the graphics that come on the screen are fantastic. I mean, they have come such a long way, so you can – a lot of them give you the opportunity to choose different golf courses to play. So you can play Pebble Beach, you can play St. Andrews, and the, the similarities to the real course are amazing. And, and, but I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of just getting swings in. You know, and, and the putting is still has a, a ways to go because it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd, I don't know, I, I don't exactly know how to explain the, the, the putting challenges, but the fact that you've got a club in your hand, the fact that you're swinging – I mean, it's a it's a huge deal as far as I'm concerned. Instead of staying on the couch or hitting it just into a net without any feedback, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I think it is a huge a huge uh, improvement. Hey Jay, I was wondering this: what is the the I guess the the feeling between the, the players of the PGA and the Live Tour? I know when you're competing, it's not really a a big deal because you're you're competing against yourself in the course, uh, and and you're not you're not really concerned about those guys being out there. But when they have to sit down at dinner or or, or do things like that, how is the interaction going to be between those guys? It's going to be it's going to be icy. I mean, it's going to be icy because every one of the guys that didn't go to Live guys got offered a boatload of money and they turned it down. And and the other guys, I mean, no one is um, blaming the other folks uh, for taking the money. But don't come back and sue the entity you just left because now you want to have it out. You know, you want to have it both ways. And so the players had stayed. I, the the thing that I don't I, that I can't get over, guys, is how this is going to come back to center, where we're going to get the all the best players in the world playing at the on. Um, you know, most of the tournaments together because that money is always going to be given to Kepka and DJ and, and Bryson and not to Ricky and to Justin Thomas and to Morikawa and to Ram and how that is going to, how they're going to, how they're going to work that out. I just don't know. And the animosity has got to just continue to grow. I think, especially with Greg Norman around. Hey Jay, one more thing. Three months from today, the masters starts. Your prediction is Tiger Woods in the field for the 2023 Masters. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
he's he's gearing up for that right now. And you know, Randy, unfortunately, you know he it's probably his most his most favorite tournament to play. And without question, it's the hardest one to walk. It is the hardest one to walk. The hills are just the TV doesn't do it justice when you get down there in person and you see how steep the hill is on ten and how steep the hill is on eighteen going back up to the clubhouse. But he'll he, he'll be there, um, man. I, I just anything Tiger does this year in 2023 is newsworthy for me. I, I, I feel like we've really hit the point where he's not going to have very many PGA Tour starts left, and you know somewhere he'll army crawl up the 18th <laughs> to win a, to win an event and get to 83 and and, and pass Sam Snead. So I don't know about the Masters, but somewhere along the line he's going to knock off another win, and I do expect to see him at Augusta. And finally, I was at an event with our mutual friend and uh, a great host on Bally Sports, uh, Alexa Datt, who took a tour of Wild Crush and uh, apparently is going to have a rehearsal dinner there. Yeah, Alexa and her fiance Andrew are going to do the rehearsal dinner at Wild Crush. Thank you for that, Randy. Uh, you should be. You should, we don't do commissions, Randy, but when we start, write you a check, maybe. But but no, those guys are just really great, great people, and and um, yeah, we're going to have their rehearsal dinner at Wild Crush, and they're going to get to drink some wine and enjoy the patio, and um, yeah, we're really excited about hosting them. And uh, you know, I, I don't need commission. All I need is more help on the golf course. You've you've helped me significantly on the golf course, but twenty twenty three needs to be another. Uh, I need another bump forward. Oh yeah, no 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 question. First thing we'll do is the three of the the four of us will get out and play, and we'll get that in the books and see what happens there. And then we'll teach Kerry how to swear a little better on the course. <laughs> Rock has got his own issues with his girlfriend. They're telling him how to swing and how not to swing. So I don't know what to do about that. Yeah, we'll just we'll bring him along and just observe. <laughs> yeah, he can handle the volume on the music and stuff like that so we don't get too much trouble. Jay, have a great day. Thanks so much for the time. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. See you, buddy. Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. He's so much fun. Coming up, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, uh, 399-YOHO. 314-399-YOHO. If you'd like to join us on Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. With Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio, I'm Randy Carricker. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. The text line is open, 314-399-9646. If you just use the letters, that means 314-399-YO! So you can join us and just uh, save that in your phone when you want to text to us on the Air Comfort Service text line here at 101 ESPN. All right, Kerry, I, I think it's pretty safe to assume that next year if not by the end of this season, Ryan O'Reilly is not going to be a member of your St. Louis Blues. With all the respect that we have that is due, fairly due, by the way, to players like Braden Chen and Justin Falk, take it or leave it, next year's captain of the St. Louis Blues is Robert Thomas. I'll take it. 
I think he's he's setting himself up to be, you know, one of the he, he is one of the leaders now, but setting himself up to be the captain and and I think that'll be a good uh Good job for him. Good decision for for the team and, and for him. I do too. And uh, we hear him every week getting yep. more comfortable in the role of being a spokesman here on this show. And the Blues put him front and center quite often after games. And I'm with you. I think that he is going to be the next captain of the St. Louis Blues. And oh, by the way, Doug Armstrong, on the day that the Blues announced the signing of the long-term contract to uh, for Robert Thomas, Ar- Army did say he's going to be our captain someday, and I think it's probably yeah. going to be sooner rather than later. There you go. That sounds like a, sounds like it's in the works or in, in, mm-hmm. in the making. Um, the San Francisco 49ers are sitting there with the number two seed in the NFC uh, and have a chance if they are you know to if things go their way to be the number one seed and and have a first round bye. Take it or leave it. Even if Jimmy G is healthy, you stick with the young man in Brock Purdy. I'm going to take that. Does he let him go? Yeah, he doesn't he, lose. He just keeps. Does, is he is he an upgrade from from Jimmy G? Jimmy G and I'm a huge Jimmy G backer, but he does seem to make really untimely mistakes. Purdy doesn't make mistakes yet. We haven't seen we haven't it at seen. least. Intensity turns up a little bit in the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be different. But I, I think you I think you let him go and and. If, if he struggles and Jimmy G is healthy, well, you got him right there to put him in. One other note about that team. Doesn't matter. Take it or leave it. It doesn't matter where they play. Because of their defense, they're going to the Super Bowl. <sighs> they get to Philadelphia. They're, they're going to Philadelphia and winning. Randy, what year is it? I. It is 2023. I don't know. I'm going to leave it. I'm gonna leave it because I, I don't think I don't I don't trust the Minnesota Vikings that, at all. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't they give up too many points. I don't trust the Dallas Cowboys that much, okay. but I trust them enough. Um, but I'm gonna I, I, Philadelphia. I really do trust and a healthy. I think we've gotten you know away from it because he's missed the last couple of games. A healthy Jalen Hurts. Yep, is a special guy for that team. Take it or leave it. The '90s Cowboys and, and 49ers matchups were absolutely amazing. I'll take that. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was so much fun. That was as good as it got, unless the, the Cowboys won. Like, is that, unless the Cowboys won. Yeah. Right? Is that is that the best like interconference rivalry of the last like 30, 30 40 years of in NFL? Because I mean, you have the they played in the NFC Championship game Colts, every year. Too. Colts and Patriots. Colts and Patriots from the two thousands. That was pretty good too. Yeah. And then obviously that Chiefs was... and Bengals could be over the years kind of maybe developing. Who was the, who was the um, when the ba- when the Bills were going through their runs? Who was the teams that they? It wasn't a, a specific team. No, they killed the Raiders one time. They beat Houston in the playoffs yeah. with, the, with the big comeback. There really wasn't. They, they beat. They knocked Joe Montana. They ended his career. Yeah, but it wasn't any. It wasn't one team in particular that no. they had to face over and over. It, it's usually. I mean the the the. The Colts and the Patriots is that the one that comes to mind, and uh, you said the 49ers and the and the Cowboys are the other. Yeah, makes sense. Take it or leave it. The Blues are in the awful middle. Maybe a playoff team, but a miss gives you little hope in the draft. Army needs a miracle to save this one. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I, they are in the awful middle. I'll leave it that he needs a miracle. I, I think uh, we. I talked about this earlier uh, earlier in the week, Randy, and and was saying you know with the. The beginning of the season seemed like it was a kind of a back and forth between young and old. Whose team is it? We signed a contract. We've been here. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a, a, a you know they were they were tugging at one another to figure out. Now both of those guys and Tarasenko and O'Reilly are out. So clearly we're going to play this style with these guys. 
And that may be what this team needs. It may be the thing that, that as crazy as it sounds, to lose your captain for, to injury and, and one of your best players to injury, it may be the thing that helps them go in the direction that they need to go in. Yeah, when uh, and I'm just looking at that from this year's perspective. Mm-hmm. And the Blues were stuck in the middle. Heck, they went to the playoffs 25 straight years and didn't go to the finals. It's really difficult in the NHL if you don't get really lucky by trading for a Brett Hall or a, a Ryan O'Reilly. If you don't draft a Taves and a Kane, or if you don't draft a Crosby and a Malkin, if you don't wind up with a Stamkos and a Kuznetsov and a Hedman, top five picks, it's really hard. And the Blues haven't had a top ten pick, I think, since the 80s. Ooh. Yeah, it's been a long time since they've had a pick that was one through nine in the draft. That's And that's you're almost too good for yeah. too long. Take it or leave it. The Bucks making the playoffs is a win for the franchise, and Tom Brady should retire on a semi-high note. I don't know if that's a, if the way they're winning is a win for the franchise. And by the way, I don't think he's going to retire. I think he's going to the Raiders. I don't think he retires either. I think he's absolutely crazy. He's just going to keep playing until his body till his body gives out in the middle of a play. He's he going to drop in his back. family for football. He's going to take a five step drop and break a hip. Like, yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, he's not, he's not going to get hit. Non contact injury, no he's doubt. Gonna, he's like, oh, it's an ACL. No, he broke his hip, <laughs> dropping back and planting to throw. That's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, eighty six year old Tom Brady <laughs> suffered a hip injury today. <laughs> on the complete, he, he fell and broke a hip. On the completely other side of this. Yeah, it won't even be in a game. Take it or leave it. Tom Brady joining the 49ers in the offseason will be like KD joining the Warriors. Uh, I'll leave that. I don't think the Niners would do that. Yeah, I don't. With I don't. Purdy and what they gave up for Trey Lance, I don't think they're bringing in a 46-year-old quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. You see Purdy? I mean, what do you, I mean, it's a little quick to pull the trigger on the next current warrant, guys. Come on now. Uh, take it or leave it. Brock Purdy finishes the Cinderella story and wins the Super Bowl. Take it. I'm gonna leave it because there are there are some teams in the AFC that really they, they're not afraid of the San Francisco 49ers, and it's gonna be one of those games where I know the 49ers play defense extremely well, but I don't know many defenses that are gonna stop Patrick Mahomes and his crew, uh, <laughs> Joe Burrow and his crew, Josh Allen and his crew. One of those three teams is more than likely gonna be the team you're playing in the AFC in in the Super Bowl. The problem that you have though is all the 49ers need to do is play their game because among the Chiefs or the Bills or the Bengals' defenses, how do you match up with George Kittle, Debo Samuel, yeah. Juwan Jennings, Christian McCaffrey? Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk. I mean, you, they're loaded <laughs> they, with talent. They are. They got a lot of guys on that, on that end. Yeah, they, they lost. Uh, is it Elijah Mitchell, their leading yep. rusher from last year? He'll yep. be back. Yep. They, they've just got a lot of good things. And by the way, just go back to what Mike Martz told us. Unless you're going to grab Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield, like the Patriots did against Marshall Falk, I don't know how you find a way to stop him. And Martz told us that McCaffrey is the closest thing to Marshall Falk since Marshall Falk in the NFL. <laughs> Wait a second. Good. Okay. That took me a minute. I had, to, I had to stay with you there for a minute. Um, this is kind of That a, means better than Reggie Bush. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Reggie was <laughs> Reggie was awesome in college. He didn't he didn't have the same explosiveness in the NFL. Who was the guy that could run tight end routes since Marshall? That that you could line up at wide receiver. That you could line up at tailback. That you could line up and run tight end routes. I mean, aside from McCaffrey, who's been the other guy that can do that? I can't. And, I can't. and runs with power too. Yeah. 
Try, it, it, it's a running back that's coming to mind. It's not LT. I hate mine. Mm. But I, it's, I, I'll come to it. I, you I know, can't. Le'Veon Bell was pretty good. Le'Veon was, was probably the next one. That's I think that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, he's the he's the one that you could say, but he left Pittsburgh and he shouldn't yep. have done that. That that yep. was a perfect offense for him, perfect setup situation for him, and decided to go chase the money. You know, it always bothered me how how much uh, the Patriots guy was like a garage you know garage version of Marshall Falk. Um, was it Kevin Falk? That the Patriots number three? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean he was he I mean was never that explosive, but I mean ran with a little power and was a freaking Swiss Army knife out of the backfield and, and yeah, passing so routes. He, he, so anno- he was annoyingly he always came up with a big play when it, right when he White, needed to. I hated that. Rex Burke. I hated him. By the way, but along he, these he was lines, useful. guys. Let's think about this. Is there right now in the NFL a Hall of Fame running back playing? Right now in the NFL? You're leading rushers in the NFL right now. Active leading rushers. Derrick Henry is a Hall of Famer. Is he? Okay. I think so. Ezekiel Elliott, Mark Ingram. Derrick Henry is third right now with 1,700. This is just attempts. Let me get to yards here. Um, but maybe maybe one or two. Derrick Henry would probably be the only one that I would say off the top of my head is a, is a Hall of Famer. Uh, he his, has 8,200 yards. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 in six years. So, yeah, he, Henry Ingram is third in rushing. Melvin Gordon is fourth. Nick Chubb is fifth. Latavius Murray, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, uh, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, Russell Russell Wilson is the 11th leading active rusher. How about that? That's insane. Josh Jacobs, <laughs> McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette. So there might be one, maybe two, but it's not really the era yeah. for running the football. The only Hall of Fame, the, the only Hall of Famers who rushed for a thousand yards this year are quarterback. That would be yeah. that's gonna that's yeah. gonna happen. That's gonna happen like you know in like a year or two when Derrick Henry's gone and Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts are both running for a thousand yeah. yards. That's gonna be a weird weird change of the guard. Take it or leave it. The Blues turn out to play better with the young kids taking over the locker room. Take it, take it this year. Not, not next year? Oh, yeah, next year, too, but not better than 2018, oh, 2019. Yeah. This group this is year. not going to – I mean, you got a ways to go to be better than that 19 You don't see a, a, a Stanley Cup on the horizon? I do not. Not this year? Well, you then, did get some new defensemen. You're going to have to rip out this guy's heart. Yeah. <laughs> Take it or leave it. We will play Gloria after this year. Yeah, we will. Take it. But it, but it won't be for a championship? No. Oh. <laughs> it's going to be to bring back those fond memories of, uh, of Gloria. Yeah. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, what's the most important number for the 2023 St. Louis Cardinals? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. We're about five weeks away from the start of spring training. Amazing that it's already upon us. We're going to have the uh, Cardinals winter warm-up coming up next week. And on the 15th, Sunday night, the 15th, the annual writer's dinner returns. It's at the Missouri Athletic Club. Still t- uh, just a few tickets available. So if you want to go, all you need to do is go to stlouisbbwaa.com. stlouisbbwaa.com. If you don't uh, if you can't remember that link, just go to my Twitter page at Randy Carricker and just click on the link and it'll take you to the tickets page for the Cardinals Writers Dinner, which will include 
Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Goldie, of course, the National League MVP. And our friend from ESPN.com, David Schoenfield, has put together a list of the number that will define 2023 for all 15 National League teams. And here's what he writes about the Cardinals. The number 180 OPS+. plus. Paul Goldschmidt's OPS plus of 180 was fourth highest of the live ball era in a hitter's age 34 season. Those ahead of Goldie, Mark McGuire in 1998, Babe Ruth in 1929, and Willie Mays in 1965. It was a remarkable season, and Goldschmidt was rewarded with the MVP award, but given that rate of production and his age, should the Cardinals expect some regression in his 2023 numbers, and by how much? I would say that, yes, that is a reasonable expectation at the age of 35 after you've had the fourth best OPS plus season of any player age 34 in history, I, I would think natural uh, regression would be natural. Well, I, I think that's kind of the the mindset. As you start aging in this game, your body starts to, you know, it, it takes a toll on you playing that many games, playing that many years. Um, we hope that he's not, you know, in the regression. And he, we hope that he keeps ascending and going in the direction that he's been going. Um, but you have to have some guys that are able to help in that lineup. And I think last year that was one of the main issues, just not enough guys that you could count on. If Goldie and Arenado weren't hitting or weren't performing, you could you could expect that the team wasn't going to score any runs and they were going to lose games. So you got to have guys with you um, that are able to help you and other than just Arenado. And so what uh, David Schoenfield suggests is that the Cardinals should expect a 15-run decline from Goldie that translates to about a win and a half for the Cardinals. But he notes it's ground they can make up with improvement from Tyler O'Neill, Nolan Gorman, Wilson Contreras, and the emergence of Jordan Walker. And he doesn't even include the potential emergence of Dylan Carlson. So I think there are plenty of opportunities for the Cardinals to make up for any decline by Paul Goldschmidt, if he should indeed decline. And one of the things the Cardinals do, carry. And they do this well 95, 98% of the time. When they acquire a player, they do a lot of research into what sort of condition they keep themselves in, how hard they work, and their ability to stay on the field. Goldschmidt is an exceptionally hard worker. So is Nolan Arnato, by the way. And if there is one guy who's going to be able to maintain the level that he maintained in his age 34 season a year later, I would suggest that it's a guy like Paul Goldschmidt. I agree. I think, you know, when you are he, – he's he's done it throughout his entire career. They know what to do to, to be prepared, to stay prepared, uh, to be in the best shape of their lives, to be able to perform at the best – the highest level that they can. And I, I, I'm, I'm just – you know, I'm hoping that the age you, – you never know when father time kicks in. It, it kicks in for everyone. You just never know. We're, we're still watching LeBron play at a very high level. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady, he's had an up and down year, but at 45, he's still – potentially, you know, one of the top 10, 12 quarterbacks in the NFL. So you don't know whose body or how their bodies respond to age. We're just hoping that he continues to be able to perform. And and one thing that does happen as you get older is injuries start to kick in, little nagging mm-hmm. things, backs, hamstring, calves, making sure that you stay well-stretched and well-prepared for, for, an, for an entire season. And – as you know, as a former pro athlete, technology has changed dramatically. And one of the things Adam Wainwright did after he suffered his struggles in 2018, especially, he went to Tom Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero. And now Adam has a lot of these secrets, and I have to believe he's passing them along to the other 30-something Cardinal players, Miles Michaelis, Arenado, Goldie, and 
some of the nutritional and workout things that Brady is utilizing are probably also being utilized by members of the Cardinals. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure everyone is trying to figure out how, how Tom Brady has uh, sustained this amount of success for this many years, especially in a sport like football where you are getting hit and banged up and, and taken to the ground so often. Um, so yeah, if you can find ways to naturally help you and, and legally help you to be successful and, and, and maintain a career for a long time, it would make sense to do that. Randy, my number... I have a number for you. Okay. My number is 22. Okay. The number of Jack Flaherty mm-hmm. and also the number of Jordan Walker. Those 22, he's going to have to change mm-hmm. his number if, if depending on when he comes up, if he comes up this season. 22 is my number. Jack Flaherty, jersey number 22, Jordan Walker, number 22, number 11, whatever you want to put him in. That is my number because if Jack Flaherty does what we think he can do, if he shows up in the manner in which we have seen him perform, a healthy Jack Flaherty, an ace of this staff, that's the, that's what that's what we've been longing for 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 a while. And, and to have that guy in in every fifth day coming in, you know what you're going to get, you know what he's going to do, and opposing batters know what to expect. That's my number twenty two for 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 uh, Jack Flaherty and for Jordan Walker. We are kind of syncopado here. We're, we're on the same page, but in a different way. Because my number also relates to Jack Flaherty, but my number is 30. If Jack Flaherty can give the Cardinals 30 starts, yeah. they're going to the playoffs and have a chance to win in the playoffs. I agree. Because if he gives them 30 starts, he's going to be good. We got to get a lot. We got to get 22 to get 30. How about that? Yeah, Gary Cole led Major League <laughs> Baseball last year with 33 starts. Uh, but some of the best in the game had 30. And 30 for him, and I think the Cardinals will still t- try to protect Jack Flaherty because when's the last time he gave him a lot of innings? 20 D he didn't, 21 he didn't, 22 he didn't. So the Cardinals will be careful with his innings, but he's also a free agent at the end of the year. So he might not be here. So maybe you give him 35 starts. It is what it is. My number is going to be uh, 346 because that is what Nolan Gorman's slugging percentage was last year against fastballs. He had a 420 slugging percentage. So with a 346, his expected slugging percentage on those should have been 471. If Who he, determined that? He's at, that is, uh, that's coming from uh, Baseball Savant, MLB.com. Okay, they're really smart. I'm just, well, they, they call themselves Baseball Savants, so... They know, they, know, they know something. Well, how do you know? How do you expect a certain slugging? Because it, it, because they have they have tens of thousands of examples, and they that, that's one stat. It just says against fastballs, you should be able to hit 470. Your slug should be around 471 average across 10,000 examples. That's all they're saying, and it's it, just showing you that usually players hit around 471 against fastballs. He was at 346 last year, below his also average slugging percentage of 420. My point is, I expected is, him. <laughs> to have a 386 slugging percentage against fastballs. That's fair. The and I'm is, smart. And while the whiff percentage... <laughs> so that was the real official expected. While so. the whiff percentage uh, against breaking balls and off-speed pitches is a little bit higher, his slugging percentage is much better, which tells me he's a guy who can lock in on fastballs much better than he was his rookie year. He has one of the highest hard hit rates of the Cardinals. Bottom line... If he pulls up his slugging percentage against just fastballs, his home run total will go from 15 to the low 20s just on that, and from there, the sky's the limit. That's my big one for Nolan Gorman. I know it's it's, it's deep, Randy, it is. but it's but it's 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 accurate. Can we can no, can if it, well, the 346 <laughs> part's accurate? That's accurate. So. Can we get back to baseball hitting balls and 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 not striking out? 
Can we can we can we get back to that? Carrie, this is the year. You'll be a happy camper. Yes. No, no more strikeouts. I don't. I don't want the. Well, you just swing it, and either it goes over, or you strike out. It doesn't matter. I that doesn't sit the, well with my spirit. The three true outcome nerds are gonna. They have their heads explode <sighs> when to, we don't have the hundred mile an hour pitches anymore, and people are able to run and score runs. And yeah, it'll happen. Here we go. So one of the highlights, one of the real benefits, by the way, of my childhood and young adulthood was being able to come home in afternoons and watch the Cubs on WGN and former Cardinal broadcaster Harry Carey did the Cubs. And I remember specifically one time he goes, we've got all these numbers and everybody's talking about what a player did. Isn't what he does next more important? <laughs> yes, it is. Gary, Gary. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what he does next. You know, it's it, we can expect all we want, but it's what the guy does next. Got to see hey, it. We're just trying to give some context to the if. I got to see it. I got to see it. And I got to see little, less you know strikeouts. Context to the if. Uh, okay, then you know what? If we can give context that way, why can't we expect a 30-year-old player to do exactly what he did in his age 29 year? Why, why, don't, why don't players have identical numbers every single year if we have expectations like this? They, I mean, they, that because expectations don't always happen. But there that, you that, go. That, <laughs> thank you. But you don't, you don't only lean on the expectation. It's just one number in a in a lot of numbers. That's not the only number I mentioned. You, I think, I think, I think I said expected slugging, and you immediately just, but because it never works, <laughs> locked out everything else yeah, from it, there. The thing is, and I'm we, gonna, we I'm can not expect slugging. He should hit that. I'm just saying that that's what the average. MLB player is expected to do against a fastball, and he was so far below mm-hmm. that. If he just regresses towards the mean of an average baseball player in that situation, that's all we're the saying. The problem is the average baseball player. That's the tricky part. <laughs> it is because why not get a bunch of guys that would be yeah, what's it, the, how, what's the war of an average baseball player? Zero. Uh, to, I mean, yeah, I mean, each position. Yeah, you have to remember war is position based. Okay, so then. You have a 25-man roster, right, with a, an average of four war for each one, right? So that's 100 wins, right? 100 win teams? I if you guess that's how? I, I mean, I, I, so average four you war. Just yeah, go out and get a bunch of four war, four war guys. That's why war's a bad thing. I don't, I don't like war. I think war's a boring <laughs> stat. Coming up next, Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Randy Carricker, good, good to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Joe Vitale is in his fifth season as the Blues analyst, so 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. He joins us from, are you going to say Montreal this morning? Montreal, Randy and Carrie, good morning. Yes, and it's uh, it's been tough to get motivated to get out this morning. I'm not going to lie. We, we got in late, and I'm, I'm stuck in my room. And it's one of the most, if not the most convenient and comfortable bathroom I've ever experienced <laughs> in my life. They got a hot tub. They got Epsom salt bath and a wooden bowl with a wooden spoon. I got double sink vanity. 
And I, I'll be honest with you, I can't get off the toilet. This thing is amazing. It's got, let's see here. It's got a rear cleansing, rear soft, front, I don't need the front cleansing. It's got a dryer. It flushes automatically. I mean, this it's got a pulsating. It's got every kind of cycle you can imagine. I don't know how people leave this room. It's amazing. Here's the thing. Uh, apparently, with some of the establishments in Montreal, they have to find ways to keep players and athletes in their rooms in Montreal. You know what, Randy? That you've said a lot of great things in my day. Okay, it's been, it's been five years I've known you. You mentioned the years I've been in the booth. That may be the most intelligent thing. I'm, I'm going to find a way to bring that into the broadcast tomorrow. That, oh, please that do. Most, that was the most genius thing. You know, it's a great town. Got a great nightlife. There's tons of shopping. I mean, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to solve the, one of the greatest food mysteries of all today, which is which is, who has the greater bagel, Montreal or New York. Uh, but to your point, I cannot leave my room. Now, Joey V, be careful because we might we might start having a word of the day that we, that we have to have have to hear from you on the next broadcast. <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna mention what Randy said, we're gonna start giving you a word of the day to 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 reference during during one of the games your your next game after you're on with us on Fridays. Hey, listen, Kerry, you give me any word, any day, any time, and I will fit that doggone thing into broadcast like it's my job. We talked about moles last night for a good, I'd say, 10 minutes after the first period. Uh, and, you know, believe it or not, we got we got more attention. We got more uh, you know responses from people listening. My text line was blown up on my personal phone from all the moles. People hate moles, apparently. I didn't know that. So, yeah, trust me when I tell you, we, we can fit anything in you need. All right, I got one for you. So so you all play tomorrow. I need Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> Worcestershire. Okay, I, I, I'm already thinking. If, if it's a weird game where we can't explain it, I can already say, hey, Curbs, you know, this game reminds me of Worcestershire sauce. No one knows how to say it. No one knows what's going on. No one knows how to pronounce it. And no one knows what's in it. So this is just a debacle of a game. So it's most like Worcestershire sauce. There you go. Worcestershire? Did Worcestershire? I nail it? Did I wor- it? nail it with Worcestershire? Worcestershire. Is that it? I think so. I think I think Worcestershire. 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 I always, Worcestershire. I always watch the uh, the guy Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives is my favorite my favorite show of all time. And one, one of the funny things he does, you know, everyone he talks to, whoever whoever adds that Worcestershire sauce, he, <laughs> every time he goes, Worcestershire, he always does it. Everyone says it differently. It's amazing. Hey, Joey, with that being your favorite show, and you have the unusual opportunity to travel to many of the cities for these uh, Diners, Drive-Ins, and, and uh, what's the third thing? D- dives. Dives. Do you ever go to them? I do go to them, yeah, and I'm actually going to to one today. So it's Schwartz's Deli. I'm sure you guys have heard that. It's the um, the, the, the pastrami sandwiches with the, the mustard and pickles. It's, it's a Montreal establishment. We go every year. I always bug John Kelly. He, he bought for me my first year, and now it's kind of tradition. Every year I say, hey, you got to buy for me. It's tradition. <laughs> he always kind of gives me that dirty look. Um, so we're going to go there for lunch, and eventually once I make my way off the toilet here, I am gonna. I am gonna figure out. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna end the debate today because I've had plenty of New York bagels. Montreal is supposed to trump them. I'm not sure if either of you guys have had either one. Montreal apparently they're they're smaller. They're less dense. They're boiled in honey, not baking soda. They're a little bit sweeter. Yeah, I think New York bagels. Apparently, in the baking process, they put them on these wood planks with burlap sacks around them or underneath them rather. And then the brick oven is certainly in Montreal. So you know, it's um, it's one of those things where I could do it when I'm alone, single. Bagels is one of those foods. 
that you can never eat on a first date. I feel like it's on the it's on the Mount Rushmore of foods you should never like like a bacon, egg, and cheese on a bagel. If you ever go with a girl or a guy on a date and breakfast, like it's over. To me, there's no sexy way to eat a bagel with a bacon, egg, and cheese on it, especially from New York. Those things are monsters. You know, that's a great question, and we can get people to text in. We might do this later on in the show, because what are the two or three foods that would be at the top of that list that you don't order on a first date? I mean, to me, I, I don't know about Carrie. I, I would say, Randy, you too, ribs, ribs. Yeah, 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 good call. It's pretty messy. You know, a giant burger, anything where you got to lick your finger, hot wings, hot wings <laughs> hot, are yeah. terrible food. <laughs> On a first date, if I'm going on a first date, and for all you first daters coming up, uh, all you single, all you single ladies out there, I, I would go to like a melting pot, like a fondue. Like you know, you you, you stick it, you stick the little piece of bread, and then you like ever so petitely just kind of glance it in your mouth and just chew it so subtly with your mouth. I mean, that to me, that's like a good, that's like a good. For, I mean, even the meat, you roll the meat, it's like paper thin. It's like the size of my thumb. It's like you know, I, we, we could we can make this work. We can we can look presentable in front of each other while eating, you know, and, and again, the, my, my worst memory of this all time, I was going to a freshman homecoming. My first year at CBC, I went with this girl named Jen and I went with a big group of friends. We went to the Applebee's by the old CBC off Clayton road. And I, I of course, I've told you guys this, I was the first to order a big mistake, huge mistake. <laughs> um, I am getting the black and blue burger, the old black, I, I call it the old myth, the old black and blue burger. I got it, and the next guy next to me goes, oh, I'll just have the salad. And the girl next to me, we're going to split some chicken fingers. I'm like, oh, boy, I'm starting to sweat as they're going around. So 20 minutes later, I get this big black and blue burger, and I'm just munching on this thing. And let's just say she didn't call me the next day. <laughs> I, I'm thinking that I would not only the, order the black and blue burger, Joey, and this is, I guess, a mistake that you and I both would have made back in the day. I would have said, hey, but let's start with an order of those loaded tots. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good call. I should have thought about that. I need to do my life a lot sooner. <laughs> Joey, I've realized in, in the world there are two types of people, ketchup on fries or ketchup on the side. Which one are you? Well, I tell you what, you know, Carrie, I, I've always been um, a neither just because I love vinegar on my fries, like a, a good, like, uh, well, vinegar? Yeah, like a good, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, vinegar, yeah, any kind of vinegar on my fries is big. But Carrie, we're actually in Montreal right now. So tonight, I promise you one thing, there's a thing called poutine. Have you heard of this? I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's like these cheese curds with yes. gravy. Mm -hmm. It's just, I have. it's just a it's just a mess on a plate. It's just, a, it's just when you're not feeling good about yourself and you've been on the road a long time and you want to numb some feelings, go to Montreal and get some poutine. I, I promise you, all your worries go away for about 20 minutes. Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. All right, let's talk a little bit of hockey here because one thing Doug Armstrong said the other day when he announced the injuries to Vladimir Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly, he said, we aren't playing a good team game. And even though the team game isn't perfect now, it seems like they are playing a better team game, Joey, than they were before. Is that a safe statement? I think it's very safe. You know, I think that, you know, I remember the psychology of a player, you know, whenever we had some of our, our good players go down, what's the instincts for, you know, for everyone else? They got to bring their game up. I mean, Kerry, you remember this in football. If you lost a quarterback or a running back or maybe you lost a starting offensive line, whatever it was, I mean, everyone comes in the locker room saying, okay, we're missing one of our big boys. They're, they're going to call on me to be better today. I got to be better. I can't. I can't lean on him. And I think that's what happens with, with star players a lot is that you find yourself leaning into them or leaning on them 
maybe too much. You know, you look, you see this in the backup goalie situation in hockey all the time. You know, backup goalies come in on a back-to-back, and all of a sudden they steal the game, and the team plays a great team game. Why is that? Because everyone knows, like, you can't maybe lean on the backup. They're not as good as the starter. Maybe Thomas Grice doesn't have what, what Jordan Bennington has, so they have to play a better team game. We see it all the time. And I think right now, for Tarasenko and O'Reilly, and certainly Tory Krug being out, I think the psychology with these players is, well, we can't lean on them anymore, so now everyone's responsibility we, we got to jack it up we got to rise to the occasion everyone needs a little bit more and you're seeing it on this road trip so far whether it be you know jordan Cairo, robert thomas certainly had great games last night pavel buchnevich is found another gear my favorite line over the last two games has been this veteran line of shen with brandon sod and ivan barbashev i mean here's three guys that have kind of been living in the shadows you know and respectfully so under a tarasenko and o'reilly on the offensive side of things well now here it's their time here you got the offensive time. Here's the defensive face-offs. We're putting you out there when we need a goal. It's all those things that for a while in the season, maybe you don't get that opportunity, and now everyone seems to be bringing the game up another level. We will be tuned in tomorrow night, and then on Sunday, the Blue, Blues will visit Minnesota tomorrow night's pregame with Joey and with Alex Ferrario is at 5 o'clock. Joining us live from the toilet in Montreal, Joe Vitale. Thanks so much. <laughs> it's always good to hear you with us on, on Mondays. Don't you say it's Monday. Don't you do that. <laughs> drive right off the road. Don't you say this Friday. I can see her all day if I want. All right. <laughs> see you, brother. Take care. Yeah. That's our friend Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. Joining us every Friday here on the opening drive. <laughs> Live from the toilet. Be impressive. He's the best. There he is, awesome. Coming up, we got the fight for you here on. Oh, do we need a fighter? We need a fighter. So what you need to do is text into the new Air Comfort Service text line. 314-399-9646. 314-399-9646. If you want to use the letters, that's 314-399-YOHO, Y-O-H-O. And if you text in the word FIGHT to 399-9646, area code 314, Matthew might pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, average Joe listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And John is our fighter today. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing wonderful. You ready to go? I think so. Let's All right. Do it. Here we go. Tom Brady is the only player in NFL history with six or more Super Bowl wins. Who is the only other player with five or more? Is it Deion Sanders, Charles Haley, or Joe Green? Joe Green. All right. Who is the winningest coach in NBA history? Is that Lenny Wilkins, Don Nelson, or Greg Popovich? Would you mind repeating the options? Of course. The winningest coach in NBA history, is it Lenny Wilkins, Don Nelson, or Greg Popovich? Popovich. All right, John, before Jameis Winston's 30-interception campaign a couple of seasons ago, who was the last NFL quarterback to accomplish this feat way back in 1988? Was it Bobby Herbert, Don Majakowski, or Vinny Testaverde? 
Let's go, Vinny. All right, and happy birthday to Gilbert Arenas. Arenas became one of the more interesting scorers in the mid-2000s and earned one of the best 21st century nicknames in basketball with which moniker? Was that Showboat, The Human Torch, or Agent Zero? Agent Zero. All right, double-check our scores and bring in Randy. How you feeling, John? I don't know. NBA is not really my thing, so uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, you might be okay. Randy actually admitted to us earlier that he has not had – he's only had one soda in all of 2023, which is an amazing feat thus far this new year. He's drink, He is drinking a Propel, and he does have a banana, but no Dr. Pepper, no Dr. Pepper Zero. So you, you might got a fighting chance, as they say. Okay. Man, I haven't seen a bottle of Propel in 17 years, I don't think. I see it every day. Only Randy, though. Uh, Nutrition facts. (laughs) Calories, zero. It's the only one that matters. Total fat, zero. Sodium, plenty of sodium. How much sugar? Uh, Hell, I don't even look at sugar. (laughs) If it works, it works. That means it's zero, Randy, if it's not on Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, okay. All right. (laughs) Uh, Carbs, zero. Total sugar, zero. How about that? Added sugars, zero. Hmm, protein, zero. Uh, they don't have much of anything in here. They get niacin. Is that a good thing? I don't think so. Sounds like a... Vitamin B6? <laughs> Some kind of planothenic acid? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of other things. Uh, say, Randy, say hello to John. John, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Randy. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Absolutely. All right, Randy, here we go. Okay. Tom Brady is the only NFL player in NFL history with six or more Super Bowl wins. Who is the only other player with five or more? Uh, that would be Charles Haley, who, if you were entertained by the stories about Deion Sanders in meetings, <laughs> Google Charles Haley in meetings. Who is the winningest <laughs> coach in NBA history? I believe Pops owns that record. I think he has passed everybody. Don Nelson and Lenny Wilkins. I think Pops passed them all. Before Jameis Winston's 30 interception campaign a couple of seasons ago, who was the last NFL quarterback to accomplish this feat way back in 1988? 1988. Wow. Okay, they didn't care about um, didn't care about uh, interceptions then. So let's think here. Uh, Bernie Kosar was playing in 88, Esiason. Um, let's see, West. Um, I guess I'll do the lifeline here. I don't want to run through all the teams. Bobby Bear, hmm? Don Majikowski, or Vinny Testaverde? <laughs> Vinny had some 30 interception years. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with uh, Vinny. Magic Man. The Magic Woo. Man. Last quarterback before far. Uh, and happy birthday to Gilbert Arenas. Arenas became one of the more interesting scorers in the mid-2000s and earned one of the best 21st century nicknames in basketball with what moniker? What number did he wear? We don't know. Hmm. And he moved on. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, him being Agent Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I, to, I can't, I I can't even pump this one up. The way, the way, the, the way that Carrie gave me a look there <laughs> was the final question. Where Carrie shut it down enough for Randy character or did John send us into the weekend with an average Joe win? Ring that bell.
the winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. Man, I owe you this. It is a 4-3 win for Randy Carricker. I'm sorry, John. It was a tough one today. You got three, but Randy Carricker did get that winning fourth. That was that was a good win, Randy. I, I, as soon as I said Mean Joe Green, I, I knew I was wrong. I should have said Charles Haley. There oh, it is. Yeah. And like, like he said, that was the one that John got wrong. You've heard all the other correct answers. Charles Haley, the only player with five or more uh, Super Bowl rings as a player. The winningest coach in NBA history is Greg Popovich, passing you got the top three right, Lenny Wilkins and Don Nelson. Uh, the last quarterback to throw 30 interceptions before James Winston in 1988 was, in fact, Vinny Testaverde and Gilbert Arenas. Really interesting uh, couple years there, and obviously the way he flamed out, not so great. But he did earn mm-hmm. the moniker, one of my favorite ones ever, Agent Zero. Randy Carricker wins this fight 4-3. to three. John, thank you so much for joining the fight. Thank you so much for joining the show. Absolutely. Thanks, Good job, guys. John. And one of the old lines is, you, you can't love others until you love yourself. Charles Haley loved himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gilbert Arenas had a had a interesting career. Yeah, he did. Him and Richard Jefferson were going back and forth, and Richard Jefferson pretty much shut it down. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. Gilbert Arenas, one of the better like retired NBA guys in the media. He's absolutely He's fascinating great. to watch. Hey, coming up next, the Battlehawks schedule is out. We're going to talk to their coach. And he's a fun guy to talk to. Anthony Becht is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And yesterday, the XFL announced the schedule for the Battlehawks and the rest of the league. The Battlehawks will start play on Sunday, February 19th at 3 o'clock. That game can be seen. Actually, it's 2 o'clock St. Louis time. That can be seen on ABC. And then after three road games, the Battlehawks will play their home opener in the first weekend of March. And joining us now is Battlehawks head coach Anthony Beck. Good morning, coach. How are you doing? Gentlemen, good morning. How are we doing? Everything's outstanding here in St. Louis. Looking forward to getting you guys into town. It's going to take a little longer than we thought. What did you think of the schedule? Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, you know, three games on the road, uh, you know, puts puts a little pressure on a first-year head coach to bring to bring a, a winner into to that week four. But, no, we're excited. Uh, it actually gives some time for St. Louis fans to get their schedule together so they can fill that dome up. So, you know, I'm still anticipating a big crowd and, uh, you know, uh, we're going to go on the road and do our thing and take care of business and we're, we're excited to come play on the 12th. Hey, Anthony, I, I'm sure you are extremely excited. Training, training camp starts in a few days. What are your thoughts and feelings as you are, are heading to report in a, few, in a couple of days? Yeah, you know, our players check in today, so I'm excited to meet our guys. We have 76 players now for our training camp practices uh, you know, we'll ramp these guys up. There's a, a, a really good thought-out process by the league to kind of get these guys ready to go, ramped up in week one, and then as we get into the practices uh, the following week with helmets and pads. So, uh, again, just assessing these guys, make sure, you know, they're healthy. They got their onboarding tomorrow and uh, and Sunday. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll rock and roll, get the uh, – we've already installed a lot of our – uh, offense with the players through Zoom through the month of December, and now we'll, we'll kind of re-kick, re- go re-through with our uh, some of our new players as well as our guys that already done it as a second go-around, 
and hopefully these guys can hit the ground running. Hey, what are some of the challenges that you've you've seen or, or that you anticipate? You know, going into your first time, first season as a head coach in the XFL, uh, what are some of the things that you you can expect to face these next coming weeks? Yeah, well, I think the challenge is just you know getting that cohesion. We're building a team from the ground up, right? You know, we're in a traditional draft. You get maybe you know five to ten players, and and you and you mix them in with the with the guys that are already there. I mean, we're literally you know. Uh, creating a, a brand new team. So, you know, the guys that we evaluated, we put a lot of time and effort in, you know, Dave Bowler, our DPP, GM, and our coaching staff, just trying to evaluate as many guys as possible. We did get uh, a lot of the guys on our draft board on our team, which we feel great about. So now it's really up to the players, uh, you know, to kind of get that coordination, our staff, to make sure, you know, we can hit the ground running with our practices and really – be able to amp things up so by week two, you know, we feel really good about what we're doing in training camp. And then as we get in uh, to the end of the month and into February, you know, we can hit the ground running week one. Battlehawks head coach Anthony Becht with us on 101 ESPN. And Anthony, one of the things, heck, when you started your career, it was a lot different in terms of building a physical football team, right? Because you guys had two a days, you had pads, you had a lot, a lot of things going on. How difficult will right. it? And I know that's your background. <laughs> what you want to do is you want to build a physical football team. What, what challenges come there in trying to be as physical as you'd like them to be? Yeah, well, you know, Kerry knows this. The only way that you become a physical team is you got to practice physically, but. You also have to be smart, so uh, we're going to try to get in that kind of work as best we can. Uh, you know, our numbers are heavy now, so we'll have a lot of a lot of guys that actually have certain days where we can, you know, kind of ramp it up. But uh, I think we're going to have to pick and choose. You know, we're going to have to try. Number one, I want to get these guys' legs under. I want to make sure we're fast, right? If we're not on the field playing fast, then you know that's not going to help us because there's a lot of talented, skilled players throughout the league. So that's number one, and then. And then we'll get that physicality. You know, it's also it's a mental side of it as well. You know, I've coached a lot of players that maybe were told they're not a physical player or told they don't have that toughness, but you get it out of them, right? You, you start preaching. You start, you know, a lot of positive reinforcement about what they're doing. You teach them proper technique and how to get off the football a little better. And when they start seeing it, they start believing it. So it's a process on the field with the pads, you know, being aware uh, and understand you got to take care of the guys, but you do have to build that toughness you're talking about. And then just teaching that positive reinforcement behind them to, to kind of kickstart them to get them to believe and, and get that attitude adjustment. I don't know if you guys saw this, but when the Broncos hired Jerry Rosberg to replace Nathaniel Hackett, he used his last padded practice available. And apparently the Broncos players, some of them were ticked and, and voiced their displeasure. <laughs> knowing Kerry Davis as well as I do and, and knowing of you, Anthony Beck, I'll bet you guys loved the idea at, at least once in a while of having a padded practice, right, Anthony? Well, you know what's good about it, and Kerry knows this. This is going on when we play. Like some coaches, you'd be strategic. So, you know, individual drills, you could, you know, full pads. You go nine on seven, run full pad. And then, you know what, maybe you take them off and put the shells on, right, and do the rest of the practice that way. Maybe, uh, you know, there's a the day where you hit the team or there's some short yards goal line stuff. But, again, you get something tough that that's a little bit more rugged that maybe that you know players just don't are worried about getting hurt but you know you, you reward them on the back end in the same practice and you, you know you kind of take some of those layers off so we'll do a lot of that stuff we're, we're gonna we're gonna practice hard as we can in our situations we're obviously you know the health of the players and making sure but they also got to understand they got to be ready to go now 
having a pad of practice, you know, week 16, 15, whatever that was. At the Friday, <laughs> that, 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 that would have probably rubbed me wrong too, because usually that stuff's getting pulled off. But, uh, you know, Hey, I, you know, who knows? I don't know if he's going to be there that much longer. Right. So that, that'll be a new guy anywhere coming in. But he left his mark, I guess. Right. They won't right. forget about it. Anthony, we, we were in Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin's first year, and we were in pads every single week on Wednesday, the entire full pads. Into the playoffs, no, no exaggeration. It was, it was a bit much, sir. <laughs> yeah, it was guy. It, it became a running there, joke right? by I week mean, by week thirteen. We like, yeah, we did. It was a running joke. Like we're pads again, eh? Okay, here we go. <laughs> hey, uh, Anthony, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's a deal. It's all about being aware, and obviously, I'm sure you know now. Thomas probably cut back quite a bit on just what what they're doing, but uh, it's just having an awareness, man. I, I played the game, so I. You're getting that feel, you know. I, you're right. I, I was a guy that like like had the pads on. I mean, I didn't have to. It was part of the game that 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 was great for me, as I was a really good blocker. Without doing it, you know, when they start shrinking down the days and you know one pad of practice a week, like I really that was my Super Bowl every day was nine on seven run when we had the pads, and, and I took advantage of that. So you know, it is what it is. You work around it, but it does affect the players. I mean, if they if they kind of like what you're doing every day from a you know, if you're being light on it, you know, yeah, they like it, but are you really kind of getting them prepared? And it shows up on film, right? You know, they're going to play high. So we got to find ways to, you know, to get them physically ready, and we will. Hey, and the, most people know the quarterbacks, uh, you know, A.J. McCarron and Ryan Willis. What other players could you give us uh, to say, to keep an eye out for for this upcoming season, some impact players that you expect to have a good season this year? Yeah, well, you know, we really like uh, all our quarterbacks. You know, Ryan Willis, obviously, Nick Tyano, they're, they're really good players. I think we have a really good, deep, uh, competitive running back room. You know, Mateo Durant, Brian Hill brings NFL experience. Uh, you know, Letty Brown, Abdul Adams, those guys, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're going to compete every single day for their spots. Receivers, skill-wise, man, man, we got it all. We got 6'4 guys. We, you know, we got small speed guys. We got uh, slot guys. We got former NFL guys. But a lot of the, all these guys can run, uh, great hands, technicians, and they, you know, they're very coachable players, very humble that they're with us. And, you know, we just picked up um, a 6'5", 225-pound, 4'3", guy uh, receiver in the supplemental draft that we added on. Offensive line, you know, again, we feel like we got the best guys available, but, you know, just, you know, getting them to buy into the process. We have big tight ends. I mean, big body guys, Jordan Thomas. You know, six six two seventy five, uh, Haskins uh, six four two uh, two sixty, and then we got those those H guys like Jalen Smith and that can you know run like a receiver, play receiver, but is is kind of making that transition to be a tight end slash hybrid receiver on the defensive side. Man, I love our linebackers. One thing we got is speed. We got a lot of intelligence in our secondary and long corners that can make plays on the ball, and, and they're going to get coached up by, to me, one of the best DB coaches with our coordinator, Donnie Abraham. That guy played uh, the cornerback position in the league at a very high level, and uh, you know we've had a lot of conversations on the technique and how guys are playing now, and I feel good about these guys are going to really make some strides. And, of course, up front, man, our defensive line, I think it's going to be competitive. I mean, there's a lot of guys here that, you know, they're not going to know their names, but they're hungry and – you know, setting and being, you know, quick, violent, but also just getting to the football. Just want these guys to play hard, man, and I, they will. So uh, we can't wait to see them today when they check in. And, and of course, they got their, their, their onboarding and, and, and physicals and stuff, but we'll have our first team meeting tomorrow night, and 
we'll get the kind of latest standard that we're expecting from them every day, you know, till week one. Battlehawks home opener is Sunday, March 12th against the Arlington Renegades. Tickets available at xfl.com slash tickets. And by the way, as you start the first three on the road, the last three are at home. So they did you a favor there. They did. No, yeah, we're excited. You know, like I said, fill the top is still our motto, you know, uh, with those single tickets going on, uh, you know, we may have a little surprise visit in St. Louis here too shortly, so that that'll be great for the fan base. But uh, you know, listen, the biggest thing is just uh, you know uh, getting to the city, playing with those fans. Can't wait to walk out of the tunnel and then get into that dome and then see all those passionate fans out there. And you'll hear them; they'll be going "cuckoo." <laughs> Good call. Yeah, no question. That we'll we'll be hearing that. Uh, somebody <laughs> sent me a little video of some San Antonio fan. Uh, kind of bashing the call and coming up with their own thing. So, you know, it's going to be fun. You know, uh, I, I had some fun with uh, Hines on Twitter yesterday with him getting week one. So uh, it's going to be great. San Antonio is going to have a ton of fans there. They always come out and support their team. But, uh, yeah, we're excited to get started. Anthony, have a good camp, a good weekend, and we appreciate your time. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, appreciate it, Kerry. Be well, man. Go Battle Hawks. Appreciate it. That is uh, Anthony Becht with us on 101 ESPN. Next up, Skip and Shannon on FS1. i got to watch the show sometime before they break it up. It's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's time for today's Big Thing. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation of why I wasn't on air yesterday, and I won't get into speculation or conjecture or innuendo, but I will say this. In watching that game on Monday night, uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin struck me a little different. As a brotherhood in the NFL, when injuries happen, when we know injuries are a part of the game, I've seen guys suffer ACLs and Achilles tear, but I've never seen anybody have to be revived and fight for their life on the field. So it struck me a little differently because I remember seeing my brother paralyzed on the field temporarily, and he was able to regain focus. Skip tweeted something, and although I disagree with the tweet, uh, and, and uh, hopefully uh, Skip would take it down, but I didn't want it. Well, yep. time out, time out. I'm not going to take it down because okay. I stand by okay. what I tweeted. Skip, let me okay. go. All right, okay. Go ahead. No, you go. Go ahead, let's go, Jen. Okay. I mean, I cannot even get through a monologue without you interrupting okay. me. Well, you could have came back, Skip. Well, I thought, Skip, just let I'm, I didn't I'm, know I was going to bring no, up. No, this. I was just going to say, Skip, I didn't want to yesterday to get into a situation where Demar Hamlin was the issue. We should have been talking about him and not get into okay. your not get into your uh, uh, your tweet. That's what I was going to do. But you can't even let me finish my opening monologue without you interrupting. Okay. I was under the impression you weren't going to bring this up because nobody here had a problem with no, that tweet. No. Clearly, the bosses wanted you to offer explanations, so clearly somebody No, they did not have... The, nobody... Let's go, Jen. Thoughts and prayers remain with DeMar Hamlin. That's where the focus should have been, and not on the football game. Yes, let's go, Jen. Thank you. That's skipping Shannon on <laughs> FS1. <laughs> I was joking in the break. I said you and I almost had yeah. a, a Skip and Shannon moment when I threw you under the bus instead of Chris that. Muir from Golf Discount because he's <laughs> the one that told me to use the, the wrong golf club. Yeah, <laughs> Randy, you looked at me. When I said it, you looked at me like, what I do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in in seriousness, what they are dealing with, Randy. I, well, I'm going to ask you this in a second because mm-hmm. I, I want to know your answer to this. I think I know the answer, but I want everyone else to know. Um, what they're dealing with is is a relationship that is fractured. 
uh, there was an incident that I showed you yesterday prior to what happened uh, in this audio that mm-hmm. we just heard where Skip was basically attacking Shannon and his Hall of Fame career. Right. Three-time Super Bowl champion career in defense of Tom Brady. And that's where it all started, where Shannon was bothered that you will attack me. I, Skip said, well, what have you done? What have I done? I'm a Hall of Famer. I, I'm one of the best tight ends to ever play this game. And in defense of Tom Brady, you will attack me. So that's where it all started. And it's kind of gone downhill from there. And it's it's tough to watch in real time, you know, because I think they have a great show. I think mm-hmm. that those two, the dynamic that they have when they're working well together is, is awesome. But that... The, the nitpicking of, of Skip and pointing the finger and, and attacking a, a Hall of Famer is 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 atrocious. Yeah. It's absolutely absolutely absurd. And Skip Bayless, he's making nine or ten million dollars a year, so he's really good at what he does. But what he does, he's a troll. Right. Right. I was telling Rock, he's the antagonist yeah. on any show that he's on. He's the antagonist. He's the one that stirs up the pot. He tend, tends to go in the opposite yep. direction of everyone else. And you're looking at him like, there's no way you believe this to be true. And maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but he believes it enough to to, to the tune of, what, 9 to $10 million a year. Exactly. And that's where, <laughs> if you're a network and he's generating the dollars for you, you put him on the air. But in terms of real, authentic sports news and knowledge... He doesn't present that. Even though he may possess it, he doesn't present knowledge. He presents a viewpoint that's the opposite of what the general public likes. And that's, hey, we've had guys in town that have done that. You you find out what the public likes, and then you work against it. And then people think that you're serious because they're they're followers and there are there are people who have done very well yes. for themselves Made being a, trolls yeah and there's a certain tv station that has done a great job of making a living off of mm. false narrative and 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 making people believe what they say exactly. is 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 correct even though it's not and i will say this even with I had no issue with what Skip tweeted. That, that I know everyone was up in arms. He basically was talking about the game, but at the end of the tweet said that should be, you know, the second thing in mind. That should be secondary compared to in comparison to this young man's health. So I didn't have an issue with the tweet, but and I think on a normal occasion, if Skip and Shannon were in in good, you know, on good terms, he wouldn't have had an issue with it either because of the way that he ended the tweet. And Kerry, the other part of that tweet is that we look for reasons to attack Skip Bayless because he yeah. has a troll. He deserves yeah. it, okay? Yes. But if you're a rational person in St. Louis, you know that that league is only about the dollar, right? You you can't tell me that Roger Goodell and all 32 owners weren't sitting around, well, maybe 31. Well, now nah, the Pagulas are all about money, too. So I'm, I'm not going to defend them. They were concerned about how do we get this game in? How do we get this money from ESPN yes. for Monday Night Football? Yeah. They were con- now, there might have been, especially after they found out that Hamlin had had cardiac arrest, there might have been some nominal concern for him. But at the end of the day, you've got an owner that kicked people off out of their houses, okay? And, and kicked people off of, out of houses that they lived in for 40 years. You think he really cares about humanity? No, he cares about money. And that's right. that's really the essence of the owner. So from that perspective, Skip's tweet was right on yes he he was not he was not wrong and and again i don't think it was as offensive as most people took it because the way that he ended it he's basically saying this should be the secondary thought in comparison to this young man's health my thing about those people and, and tim mckern always calls 
you know, the, some of the best riders we've had in the city, credible dissenters, people who they have that opinion that no one has, and they have the one that's completely different than the base opinion, but they've never, they don't cross into this nasty level that it seems some people who have that, well, I'm going to be the devil's advocate, I'm going to be the contrarian. It crosses sometimes to this nasty level, and I think that's the thing that, that, that is bothering Shannon, and that that's kind of what he started yelling at Skip early in December when he made the comments, I'm a three, you know, I'm a Hall of Famer, I'm a, right. I've won three Super Bowls, and he goes, what does that matter? He goes, Skip, you always do these personal shots mm-hmm, kind of yeah. thing. He takes it to an ugly level, and then then you're never going to get the benefit of the doubt when you do have a follow-up never. tweet that says the correct yeah. thing, or at the bottom of your tweet that says the correct thing. You're never going to get the benefit of the doubt, and you've kind of you know traded you know, $15, $17, 25000000 million over the last few years for not having the benefit of the doubt. Some people want to make that trade. Randy, have you ever had an issue with a co-host? Yeah, brief issues. Yeah, me and Raj used to go at it now and yeah, then. Every now and then. Yeah. No, you not, got the audio? I know the audio is Ron. Yeah, I called it Ron G an idiot, but he deserved it. It, it was it, sometimes you, you gotta say what you mean and mean what you say. Yeah. I mean, right, it, right. It, it happens. Yeah. There are times I mean, anytime you're with a coworker and, and you all like we, what we do, we're on air. So if you and I were to have a disagreement, all of St. Louis would be able to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it would be off air. But if it was during during a segment, that would be and that's essentially what happened with them. Everyone, well, not everyone, but most people go to work and have a coworker that they disagree with. Maybe they're, they're, the way that they handle things, maybe the way that they speak to people, you know, they don't agree with. And, and that's essentially what we saw in real time with those two. You're an idiot. You're an absolute 100% total idiot. There you go. You you meant that you were you oh, were, you were. <laughs> and Raj and I are friends. See, I don't think I could see myself being friends with Skip Bayless. No, because what if he's completely the- opposite off air than he is on air? What if this is really just what he does to get what he needs to I, be paid? Well, would that, you respect it, that? No. Okay. Because that's really irresponsible to the people that we have listening or viewing. I agree. I think our job is to present uh, opinions that are built with a solid foundation, not hot takes. Yes. And some of our our opinions wind up being hot takes, but at least we have opinions for them. You have tremendous credibility that I'll never have. I feel like with 40 years in the business mm-hmm. and being around as much as I have, I have a level of credibility, but I'm not going to say something that is opposite of what I believe right. just so that I can get a reaction. Stir up an argument. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's what he does at times. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate because like I said, there are, there are people in, in, on TV, you know, in media that do that in order to be paid. And I, I just, it feels dirty. Yeah. I wouldn't know how I would be able to go home saying something that I truly did not believe and, and repeating it over and over and over again. And then there are people that don't have really enough awareness to understand, oh, this is not a real it's, thing. This is this is something that they're saying in order to, to, to make the masses believe it. But they... That's not really how they feel. Matthew. Well, uh, much like Skip, I I think we should, you know, make this a little bit about DeMar Hamlin. Ian Rappaport just actually tweeted out some breaking news about the DeMar Hamlin situation. For the first time, Bill's safety DeMar Hamlin is addressing the team via FaceTime. The breathing tube is out, and he spent the morning speaking to various teammates on FaceTime. Now he's delivering a message to the entire group, I'm told. That was Ian Rappaport on Twitter at Rapshe just a few minutes ago. Run. Don't walk. Run to your phone and pick up FanDuel Sportsbook. That is amazing. Yeah. Like, that is absolutely amazing to me to hear that he is FaceTiming his teammates. Yeah. Like, I because I've been in those rooms, I, I'm getting chills right now just thinking about what that call coming through 
on FaceTime as we're sitting in a meeting room, as we're sitting mm-hmm. there preparing, you know, guys have their phones and, and, and you know, some he, he maybe called coach and said, hey, I need to FaceTime the team. It, it is to have that message and to hear his voice and to see his face. There are men in that room jumping, yelling, some maybe tearing up, welling up like this is a an absolute awesome thing. For this for this team to 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 receive this message from him right now and and as I said yesterday the the thing that he wrote when he couldn't talk yet mm-hmm. did we win Randy you ha- <laughs> I, I, you you have no idea how much as a teammate man I gotta go give everything I got for yeah. you because your first thing you care about is did we win. Man, I am happy to hear that you're healthy. I love you. I'm so thrilled to see your face and talk to you. Bro, we're going to go win everything for you. And I, I you're going to come on this field, be standing next to us, and we're going to go do this. And I think this is absolutely – bet on the Bills. That just yep. just the, the human factor of it, I, I, don't, I don't know how they lose. And we should note, Kerry, I don't know if you said this on the air or off the air, but you think he's going to play again at some point? Yeah, I do. I, I think he will. I mean, obviously, probably not this season. Doubtful. If he did this season, I, it'd be I, absolutely I had questionable. Miracle. You had doubtful. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> doubtful for this season. But I do believe he will play again. You know, he'll be prepared. He'll be preparing for next season. That's the psyche of a football player, mm-hmm. of an athlete, of a professional athlete. The things you're you you are willing to put your body through to get to that level, to stay at that level, it it. it People would never have a have an, a true understanding of how much pain and, and agony and soreness and stiffness you have to go through at times. And so, just for him to be able to do what he did today, I am I'm, I'm breaking a sweat, Randy. I'm, awesome. I am thrilled. That's today's big thing on the opening drive coming up. Jeremy Rutherford is here in studio. Is going to join us to talk some blues next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and joining us here in the studio is our friend Jeremy Rutherford, who covers the St. Louis Blues for The Athletic, and of course is our Blues Insider here on 101 ESPN. JR, good to see you, have you in the studio. Good to be here, good to be here. Yeah, we uh, talk a lot of hockey on the station, obviously. Uh, Joey talks a lot about the hotel bathrooms in Montreal. How about that? <laughs> he was great. I was listening to that on the drive-in. He is just a card, right? One thing we've learned about Joey is to not ask about hockey off the bat. <laughs> not at all. We, we get so much... Other information that is, you know, teaches us things about life. We've learned about bread and mm-hmm. pasta, and now we've learned about toilets and bidets, and I guess all, all sorts of things. It's my, pretty cool. My favorite part is I'm always listening and waiting for what the transition is going to be. Like, how are you going to transition from this into the power play? <laughs> and, and he does it. He does it seamlessly yeah. every single time. Yeah, and Worcestershire sauce. Too. Yes, a word that I clearly can't say that well. But he's going to say it on the air, so we have to be paying attention for him to slide that in some kind of way. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah, Jr. What have your What are your thoughts of how they've been playing since uh, Vladdy and Terrace, since Vladdy and, and O'Reilly have gone down? Yeah, I was just talking to Randy for a second before we went on air. You know, it's it's tough because I, I've seen this movie before, where over the years with the Blues, you lose a cu- couple top guys. 
and everybody just seems to hone in and mm-hmm. everybody starts to play you know this simple game and it's almost like you, you watch it and you say why couldn't you do this a month ago two months ago this is the style you know the other night they had, what 52 hits in Toronto and I realize if you're hitting that means the other team's got the puck mm-hmm. but you know why can't you play this type of style when things are normal and also why can't you get these kind of performances from guys when O'Reilly and Tarasenko are in the lineup look at Brandon Saad he's really come alive you know Braden Chen who I like most of the time all the time uh, had an unbelievable game in Toronto the other night so the the thing is here Kerry they look great and I don't want to take anything away from that they could go nine and one in the next ten but if you look at this roster it's going to be super tough to compete. And that's why I've written, I've said in the past week, that I still think it's a situation where they're probably going to have to hit the reset, move some pieces at the trade deadline. But while this is going on, just enjoy it. It does seem like, though, some people are going to get an opportunity at least, if not to show what, well, they're going to get an opportunity to show what they're capable of. I think what you're saying here is that the expectation isn't going to be that a superstar is going to be developed out of the people that get an opportunity. Right. I mean, you look at this roster, and and look, Josh Levo's had his good moments. You know, Tyler Pitlick's come in and, and filled in. But these are guys that you're asking to come in and give the identity to a third line or a fourth line, and I don't think that's going to happen. You look at last night, you know, not to poke at uh, Tyler Pitlick, but he takes that third period uh, tripping call, and you know that's something that could kill you. You're playing a a great team late in the season, trying to get those extra points, and now all of a sudden you're counting on a guy like that. So, so we'll see what happens. But I do think uh, right now what they're doing it's a simple game, it's a direct game, it's a hard hitting game, and they're getting good performances from some of those top guys that are still left right now. We were listening to a cut from Army earlier this week, and he was talking about the younger players coming up, and and uh, there he was really afraid to bring them up at this point because of the Blues not playing the game the right way. What is the right way for them to play, for them to have continued success? Yeah, of course, Randy's got to show us up. He goes on the call and asks the best question out of the entire press conference of Doug Armstrong. He gets a great answer there, so thanks for coming in and showing us up, Randy. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I thought that Doug's uh, answer was very interesting, and they are when there's good questions yeah. asked. And, and uh, he said that, yeah, when, when you play a team game, and he's right, when you play a team game, you can bring up a Jake Neighbor and all of a sudden, you know, if Shen and Saad and Barbashev are all doing the right things, it blends in. You incorporate those young guys and Nikita Alexandrov and maybe bring in others. Uh, but if that game is disconnected, which it has been all season long, you know, then how are these guys going to be able to not only up their game and be responsible at the NHL level, but, you know, if they're playing in a disconnected unit, it just doesn't work. It's going to be hard for them to, to get going. And so I think that's what he's saying there. And you saw it last night, though. These mistakes are going to happen with the young players like a Jake Neighbors. You see, yeah. he tries to turn the puck up the middle and loses it, and it's in the back of the net with a huge goal. So, you know, those are the things that I'm saying that I believe are eventually going to catch up to the Blues because they're playing that underman lineup. And one thing that we did discuss with Army, and you've asked uh, several times over the last couple of days, you wonder what sort of effect these injuries are going to have on the ability to trade these players. And they really do need to get Vladdy back in four and O'Reilly back in six. That's generally the way it works. They say we'll reevaluate and then the guy is back. But they need to get two weeks of a healthy Ryan O'Reilly before the trade deadline, right? They definitely do. They definitely do. And it's going to be a short time, right? Because you're going to get Tarasenko back maybe in a month. That's when he gets reevaluated. Can I stop there for a second? And we talked about this. Vladdy's got kids in school here in St. Louis. He's got a no-trade clause. If if I'm Vladimir Tarasenko, I've got my cup. I know I'm going to be a free agent at the end of the year. 
Do, do you really need to go someplace for March, April, May, maybe June, be away from your family and not use your no trade? I, I think if I'm him, I might just use the no trade. I think that's possible. And I have heard you, uh, you know, the past week bring that up. I think it's a possibility. I'll just add this that if the Blues are done, don't make the playoffs and you're Tarasenko, you're a pending UFA, could you go to a top team and have an incredible playoff and increase your value True. in UFA? That's the only thing I, I see that would make him, motivate him to want to do that. Yeah, good point. And then the, you, I'll let you continue here. Yeah, it's, it's just it's going to be it's tough timing. I mean, you know, good thing for the Blues that the timetables for these guys, a month for Vladdy and six weeks for Tarasenko, does put them back before the trade deadline. Let's keep in mind those are only reevaluation dates. Mm-hmm. They're going to take a peek and see if they're ready to go. Um, you know, my question is, if you're looking at Tarasenko, he's a shooter. Well, guess what? He's got a broken hand. Is he going to come back and have that same oomph on that shot? And O'Reilly, who... You know, I still think he has a lot to offer. He has lost a step, and now he's coming back from a broken foot. So I think those are going to be questions for those teams, and are there going to be enough games for them to show those other teams that they're ready to go? And conversely, are teams going to want to pony up for that guy? Like if you were going to give a first-round pick for a healthy O'Reilly, are you going to give a first-round pick for a guy who's coming back from a broken foot? right. When you're looking at the Blues defensemen, who who do you feel uh, is playing well, and who do you think could could play a little bit better to help them out? I think that uh, you know Justin Falk has been a guy that's played pretty well for the mm-hmm. most part all season. Uh, you know, obviously uh, Colton Preco has struggled at times. I, I know that he has a, a reputation here in town. Um, you know, he still does some good things, but I, I agree with the fans who talk about just some of the lack of awareness and physicality. Um, Nick Letty, I think, has his bright moments where you say, you know, that's that's a good player. He can help this team. But then you look at that game last night, a little bit of unawareness around the net, and Jack Hughes puts one in. Uh, so, Kerry, you know, we talk about Kelly Rosen. That's your guy, yeah. right? Uh, he's, he, had he's, a couple of, he had a couple of bad plays back to back though where he almost he he had a bad pass and then almost gave up a a puck right in front of the net so it's kind of what you're saying everyone is pretty much taking their turns of of having those bad moments yeah nobody's had a really great year obviously they've had their moments but Rosen I guess he set the bar so high with us right that (laughs) now when he does have a hiccup you're like wait and then we forget he's a 28 year old journeyman yeah but uh yeah so it's it's just a defense that I think you know, I see what Doug Armstrong was trying to do, a bunch of puck movers, guys who get the puck up the ice, but it just hasn't worked out well this year, and it doesn't help that some of these guys have been so inconsistent. Jeremy Rutherford in studio with us in the opening drive. Now, Matthew Rocchio is a, a believer in conspiracies. He's absolutely convinced that the league is going to give draft the first pick in the draft. Draft, draft, and oh, lottery, draft, draft and lottery conspiracies, okay. specifically. Yeah, okay. Definitely. And second shooters. <laughs> but... Do you think that the league and Gary Bettman would give the number one pick in the draft to the Chicago Blackhawks? Oh goodness, Rock! Holy smokes! I'm just saying they have two. They have two. Um, you know, all stars, all, all, you know, all league guys for ten years in Caves and Tane. Uh, Caves and Kane. There's a good chance they ship them both off of the trade deadline for draft picks, and then they turn around and draft arguably the. A top three prospect in the last 20 years in the NHL behind only Crosby and McDavid. 
I mean, it would just be perfect for a huge market to ship out two and immediately replace them with one of the best we've ever yeah. seen. I don't want to say no because then you're going to clip this and then when the, the, ball, <laughs> the ball lands on Chicago, then you go, holy smokes. It would make sense. Like I, They want these big markets to have those types of guys. And and uh, I remember you go back to that TJ Oshie draft. Remember that was what coming out of the lockout and so the balls were weighted. There were a couple balls for each team depending on what your percentage was. And uh, you're thinking, okay, maybe the Blues could get Sidney Crosby. Crosby, this is going to be crazy. I think, what was it, 23, 24, it pops up blues. You get TJ Oshie. And then where does Sid go? Pittsburgh, right? And uh, they get another star after having a few stars uh, in their day. So, no, a possibility, possibility. But, man, if that happens, holy smoke. He's a player, right? Connor Bedard, you guys watch that guy in the yeah, he's World Junior good. Championship. That would, uh, gosh, you're going to make blues fans mad when you say that. I, listen, the only the and listen, Randy brought up a great point. The only reason that you can prove to me I'm wrong about this is that why would they keep giving so many number one overall picks to the Sabers if they cared about these well, things? Anyway, exactly. Why would you just keep like handing them that? Right. And if you're the league, why wouldn't you have sent Crosby to the Rangers? Right. Yeah, and I remember sitting in the press box that night that they did the lottery that uh, Connor McDavid was going to Edmonton. The Edmonton writer couldn't believe it. He's, <laughs> he's sitting in the press box and he goes, what the I can't believe it. So, do you think this team can uh, get into the draft lottery, the Blues? I think I think there's a chance. It's going to depend on what Doug Armstrong decides to do here. And I know he keeps talking about uh, the record. What's the record going to be when you get close to the, the deadline there? I mean, look, you still got, what, uh, seven weeks or so. And they've played pretty well the past couple games. I'd still like a week or two to pass of sustaining that before you start to believe in any sort of thing like that. And, you know, would he keep O'Reilly and Tarasenko and think of them as reinforcements when they come back? Gosh, I find that hard to believe. Yeah, I can't imagine that. I am going to buy a Mega Millions ticket today, by the way. Are you? So, yeah, might as well. I get involved in lotteries. I like it. (laughs) JRs aren't rigged. No, I, I don't know. <laughs> I've never won. I've never met be. anybody that's won. Have you? No. <laughs> I have they're a, always I, in some obscure place that no mm-hmm. one's ever heard of. And oh, look, this person won this ticket in this city. And did they really? Does that city really exist? <laughs> <laughs> I watch that lottery dream house show all the time, and I don't really knew anybody on that I'm show. I'm just saying. No. I don't, I've never, I've never seen a lottery winner say, "Hey, look at what I did. This is me before. This is me now." <laughs> yeah, no. Hopefully, you'll find out on Monday. Yeah, there you go. When this chair is empty, yeah, you won't see it. <laughs> what? Where's Randy at? I gotta go. <laughs> Put out a link. Job opening. Need Megamind. <laughs> Jr. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great. Weekend. Anytime. Have a great weekend. That's a great Jeremy Rutherford with us on 101 ESPN. Next trip to Montreal, by the way. You heard Joe Vitale. He's going. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to leave that bathroom. There are better things out there than that bathroom. <laughs> that I just set that up for Shaper uh, is like the establishment. Is it still there? Uh, it is still there. Okay. I think some buddy, buddies of mine yeah. told me. Yeah, That's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Coming up, rock and roll. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. All right. A little rock and roll for you here on the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Matthew, rock 
Yo, what do you got for us? Have you guys ever left, uh, you know, your house, your hotel room, your office? You have done that, but you you realized you forgot something, and it, it, but it, but it took utility like right before you pulled into your destination. You went. I needed that, and it's mm-hmm. too far away. Well, that ended up being a little bit of a problem for the Texas A&M men's basketball team, as they were <laughs> they were called for a technical foul for delay of game for their game the other night because the managers had forgotten the game jerseys at the hotel <laughs> that constituted a delay of game and therefore it was an administrative technical foul. Florida guard Will Richard made the free throw and that means the Gators were up one nothing before the tip-off again because the managers how do you remember the warm-ups but you don't remember the actual game jerseys and a good good job though from the, the head coach Buzz Williams who who joked around and said listen if I'm the head coach I'm taking the rap for that one. You don't, you don't, you don't leave your managers out to dry on that one but I just couldn't couldn't believe we had a 1-0 game for even a tip because the managers <laughs> forgot the laundry. Well, here's my here's my question. As they were getting dressed for said game, did no one – I mean, when did they realize that the jerseys were missing? Yeah, it's kind of weird, it, isn't it? I mean, at what point – They left the court fi- fi- following warm-ups, and I guess the guys went to say, all right, get the, get their, pre- their, their jerseys ready. Okay, They're coming so, up from warm-ups, and then the managers – Generally, when you walk into a locker room, I don't know how it's done you in basketball. It it's already. hanging exactly. there already when you get there. You got the warm-ups mm-hmm. folded you, you, yeah. on the ground, you and got, you got the game you go. jersey hanging up. So, exactly. So the fact that it wasn't there should have been a, an alert. Here's a better question. Shouldn't you get assessed a delay a game for every five minutes that you have to delay the game? Like, instead yeah. of one point, they should have been up by about every time. ten points, yeah. maybe? I mean, just every every. How long did it take? It took an hour, correct? They had to go back in rush hour traffic, get back to the hotel, get back to the stadium. Like, shouldn't you shouldn't you be assessed for a, a, a delay of game for every ten minutes the game is delayed, five yeah. minutes instead of just one delay of game? I mean, it's delaying the entire game. Yeah, I, but, I would. Yeah, but wind yeah. up with like half a dozen. Yeah, it actually ended up only postponing the game a few minutes. Oh, is that it? Because yeah, you got you got the gap between. Uh, Shoot around and, and the then, actual game, and okay. they were able to, they were able to, to double time. You know, the t- hotels usually aren't that far away from the stadiums. They did, uh, I don't in some know. of these no. cases, sometimes we sometimes would, they are, we sometimes they are very far from from some stadiums. Uh-huh. And it's at, <laughs> yeah. it's, at, it's at UF, which I'm guessing probably isn't the worst because right? usually the football, usually the big football cities got a got a nice little setup for for the the hotels yeah. near the yeah. actual campus. So, it, it, but I it's a one nothing game right before tip. I just I, I've forgotten things before. In fact, I did it the other day. I left the house and about. Ten minutes down the road, I was like, it ain't worth it. I'll just have to do it another day. So it, it happens to everybody. I just started having funny on national television. It is pretty funny to have that happen. I found this because Anthony Beck mentioned it, and I had to go find this. So this is actually on TikTok from the TikTok user Viva Texas. And here is the and here is the video he sent talking to Battlehawks fans about their caca and the Brahmas. Apparently, they got their <laughs> own thing going. And here is he gives us a little bit of an example. In fact, we have our own little battle cry that I want you all to get familiar with hearing because you're going to hear it a lot in the dome. (laughs) (laughs) Horns up. Gold there it is. That's what we're going to have to compete against. I don't think everybody can do that. I don't think everyone can either. It's going to be going to be a difficult uh, task 
That was pretty pretty awesome though. That was, yeah, yeah. That he was has pretty good. He's got, he's, got the entire, he's got the entire yeah. like legitimate mariachi outfit. It looks good. It's he's black doing, and gold in Brahma's colors. Well. Listen, I love the fact that San Antonio is diving in because if, if you talk about a football market and, and a group of people who love football but they obviously are never going to get the professional game in their direct city because uh, Jerry Jones is a monster um, and so for them to <laughs> dive in like this the way that Battlehawks fans did listen I loved the Vipers uh, rivalry that was bubbling between the Battlehawks mm-hmm. uh, back in 2020 but I think right out of the gate especially with Heinz Ward as the head coach I think we got to go San Antonio Brahmas as the as the Battle Hawks big rivalry for this for this twenty twenty three season. I think it's going to be awesome. I think we right out of the gate we have to start with. We it. can still hate the Vipers. Yeah, they're in Vegas now, I think, and they actually just mm-hmm. announced that they're going to be playing which uh, stadium they're going to be playing in because sometimes that stuff can be very confusing. We still hate the Vipers, but I just think that we could have a little bit more fun with the, San Antonio. The, 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 yeah, the San Antonio Brahmas being our big big rivals, and then I mean, come on, Kaka versus yep. that that's. That's a battle for the ages. San Antonio is a quick southwest flight if said flight doesn't get canceled. There you go. (laughs) This is the most important part. Yeah. Is it Southwest? Is it San Antonio direct to Southwest? Yeah. Southwest flies a lot of places. I got to go to the river. I got to go to the river. Not lately, but generally. I got to go to the river walk more. Well, let's just uh, take a look here. You have another thing for us? I have one more thing. It's actually, I've been wanting to bring this up here for a little bit, and I wanted to get Carrie's thoughts on this. There was a story on Front Office Sports about a week ago, and they broke down. How much it would cost if the 14 current NFL stadiums that use artificial turf would make the move that a lot of the players are wanting to for safety and go to regular grass fields? Mm-hmm. They had a fairly low estimate, 12 to $15 million to replace all 14 artificial turf. That includes stripping it off. That includes the, the cost for laying it down and obviously the cost for all of that new sod. Obviously, the big questions is when it comes to the domes, the... Uh, Tennessee Titans are getting a new new uh, dome that will have artificial turf. Obviously, the Buffalo Bills are building a new stadium that will have actual real grass. That sounds like a drop in the absolute bucket for the NFL. $15 million to completely just fix one area where there has been noticeable injury issues. Are you surprised the NFL is not making this move immediately? <laughs> no. I'm not surprised about anything that's done. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Nothing. That is done or or not done on on their behalf. Um, I think the surprising. I, I I would ask how much it costs to maintain a natural grass field because the turf fields are you know pretty much one and done, and you don't have to really do much maintenance on them. Maybe add a few of the the pebbles every x number of years, but mm-hmm. that's not a that's not a a yearly thing that you have to pay for. Maybe they're looking at the of yes, it may cost fifteen million to change all of those fields over, but the maintaining of that field year in and year out, I'm not sure how much it costs, but it sounds like it's not an amount of money that those people would like to pay. Kerry, the NFL is being paid by Rock. by Amazon seventy eight million dollars for never, Thursday night you, football. Have, sir have you seventy eight? How do you rock? Have you been paying attention to this thing called the NFL for long enough? <laughs> a little bit. I, nah, hey, you got to pay closer attention. By the way, that's seventy eight million is they, each week, Carrie. That's no, every week. Rock. Take two hundred grand out and, and lay some new side. Think that they care. Because, they don't. Because Saquon Barkley having a healthy ACL that is better for the NFL. And you know no, what's sir. better for, no, for the not. New York Giants is not having to pay Saquon Barkley if he goes and gets his fifth year and has a massive year, and then you have to pay him another amount. So then you go draft a rookie running back and say the hell with that. I don't have to pay him anything. Mm-hmm. I get a guy that does the exact same thing as him and okay, pay well, him less. Okay, what about Pat Mahomes' knee? 
Patrick Mahomes is they, they're going to figure that out. But guess what? <laughs> Running back, they don't care. Okay. The, the, the Chiefs. Right. What are the, what surface do they play on? The Chiefs do play on a grass surface. There you go. There and, 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 and here's the thing: if Patrick Mahomes were to say, "Hey, if they had Vegas, turn, isn't though." And who's their quarterback? Play a game they, there? They, they just kicked their quarterback out with two games left. They don't give a damn. Wait a second. Do all the dome stadiums now have bad quarterbacks? There, there's, there is another conspiracy New theory or, New Orleans, here. New Orleans lost their talented quarterback. Indy certainly doesn't have one. Wait a second here. This is building. Jared Goff. I mean, Kirk Cousins, but I mean, you know what I think about him. Uh, you say good quarterbacks. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> You're still on the same track. Yeah, still Keep going. Found it, still found it. A good quarterback in a dome stadium right now. I'm blanking. You, 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 listen. Dak Prescott. <sighs> okay. Maybe. But then again, but again Jerry's not going to care. I mean, the, the guy built a stadium that blinds his receivers in one end zone. And punts hit the, hit the and monitor. He, and punts hit the monitor. It's not yeah, like he's going to care. Not about them. It's about me. It's just so little money for players. This isn't a billion dollars. This isn't 18 billion for head injuries. This isn't having to find an entirely new series of helmets. This is literally just wow. replace some grass for a fraction. I love the, 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 the innocence and with what you're speaking right now. It's, it's a, it had come from a, a, a pleasant, pure place. Rock. I'm just and this is an unpure right? conversation that we're having. That's fine. It's not your fault. Listen, it's not, it's not your point out the fact. It's not that. your fine. fault at all. It's you are. This is a pure conversation and a pure place you're coming from. And I'm telling you, the place that you're talking about is filthy. So just this is <laughs> it's this muddy is, waters. This is how I'm going to change my opinion on dome stadiums. Uh, this is how I'm going to change my opinion on them. Hmm. I used to love them. I'm going against it now. Well, you got a Hall of Famer that played in yours. Couple, he was pretty good. Yeah. Couple, a few, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, here and so there. there have been some pretty good <laughs> dome quarterbacks. Few, Reeves might say, "Yeah, I, I can play at a dome." Fair enough. And here's hey, the thing about the dome: at least the uh, rubber doesn't burn your hands in the middle of the summer. Right, exactly. That's, if you, that's so. Flying thing. to San Antonio for the BattleHawks opener, uh, you got a nonstop at ten thirty in the morning on Saturday. Yeah, lands bad. at twelve fifty, and then uh, come back Saturday night. 7.40 out of uh, San Antonio. You do have one stop in Dallas, and it gets back in, into St. Louis at 11.10. 388.96 round trip. Not bad. That's not bad at all. I'll take that little day trip, a little, little river walk. Yeah. yeah a little, little football, why not? In San Antonio. Why not? Simple. Let's do it. The Alamo Dome's a little big. Coming up, what's on tap here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One of the really fortunate... This Sunday, it's an... Hey, that that sounded good. What's what's going on Sunday? (laughs) Now, now I'm curious. Okay, this Sunday, it's an NFL doubleheader. Pre-game at 11 o'clock for the Steelers and the Browns, followed by the Seahawks and the Rams at 325. I'm just the, fat-fingering everything today. It's all right. It's Friday. <laughs> I'm, I was just joking around yesterday. You guys remember the commercials for the jitterbug phones? Yeah. That's going to be me when I'm 75. Okay. I'm going to have to do it. I can't, t- I can't type on these tiny little iPhone c- controls anymore. I'm hitting these giant buttons on the controls twice when I don't mean to. I'm just I'm slowly getting old. Quickly getting old. <laughs> quickly getting old. Quickly yeah. getting old more it's like happening it. in a hurry. It's happening in a hurry. I was going to say, one of the fortunate things we have about our industry, 
uh, in the electronic media and really in the print media in St. Louis is that we have a large group of really good people and most of us get along really, really well. And one of my best friends in the industry and in life is Frank Cusimano, who is, uh, uh, we've known each other for, heck, 35 years. He, We were both, uh, he, he came in and auditioned at KMOX when I was there and obviously has had the job at Channel 5. And Frank has always been very close with his family and his mother passed away this week. And we just want to send our condolences to Frank and uh, Monique, his wife, and, and their three kids and the entire Cusimano family on the passing of uh, Frank's mom. She was terrific and she was the matriarch for a terrific family, and I know that she'll be missed, and so we just wanted to pass along our condolences to Frank and his family. Condolences to Frank. Frank is a great, great man. I've met him and been around him. I met him while I was playing, and, and he just always was welcoming, brought me in to do multiple shows, you know, kind of really, it just got me started with some doing some media work, so he's he's awesome, and so condolences to him, his family, and, you know, just thoughts and prayers to, to them. I dare anybody who who's in, like, a bad mood to hear Frank talk about his, his like, his mother the way he would Mm -hmm. and not crack a smile and just get like all warm in the chest because the way he would talk about his mother and the relationship that he would talk about one of the most beautiful things that that I would ever hear from from a broadcaster let alone Frank who obviously says a lot of very beautiful things so obviously thoughts and prayers out to Frank absolutely it's going to be an interesting weekend of sports what with the two games tomorrow and it's kind of weird who would have thought that we would get to week 18 of the season and be mildly, if not very excited, about a game between the Titans and the Jaguars. Who would have thought that we could be thinking, oh, the Jaguars can make the playoffs with a win. Just They can lock in a spot with a win. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who had the first pick in the draft last year and the first pick, pick in the draft the year before. And can also lock in a spot with a loss and some yeah, help around, yeah, the, around the league. It, it, I, you know, it, it's absolutely amazing. This season has been been kind of a roller coaster trying to figure out who's good, who's not. You had the Jets who were, were seemingly on a path to, to make the playoffs, and now they've, they're starting Joe Flacco this week, and news just came across. They, they're trying to figure out what they are, who they are, and which way they're going. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, been a, it's been a roller coaster of a season, but it's been a, it's been a good one. I think the playoffs are going to be pretty good as well. You know, Kerry, we did a segment, was it earlier this week or last week, for a dozen quarterbacks, and it was starter, backup, yep, or out of the last league. Week. Every single one of those guys is going to be in the league next year. Probably. We, we said like seven yeah. guys are going to be out of the league. Every single one of them, it, at some point, David Blow is getting a start for for Arizona. I was sitting there on Sunday, and, and I was just like, I was slowly watching that segment become less and less apt and like yeah. meaningful and topical as every game happened. Because I was like, well, Daniel Jones just got a standing ovation in, in, in MetLife, so... He's probably going to be their starter next year now. <laughs> like like things were happening every time I saw it I was like probably going to have to change that answer. Probably going to change that answer. The NFL and quarterbacks it's it's completely nonsensical now. And if I, I don't know what Brian Dayball thinks of Daniel Jones, but it sure seems like in the NFL one of those situations where the Giants are going to sign him for a monster contract. Does yeah. it feel like that to you? Well, I, I think they're going to franchise him. Yeah, Kirk I don't Cousin. think I don't think they'll I don't think they'll sign him to a monster contract because he, they didn't pick up his fifth year option with with thought of we we don't really see you as our, you know, the guy that is going to take this franchise in the direction that it needs to go. But a franchise tag for a year, we can stomach that and then see what what that year pans out. If you go back to what you were the the years before, we'll be done and we can draft a quarterback. Or if you play well, we'll franchise you again to see if you can do it for two years. And that is all going to come down to what the coach thinks, right? Because yeah. if Dayball says, hey, this is our guy. We don't need yeah. to get anybody else. Don't need to bother franchising. And we can use our franchise tag on somebody else. Yeah. 
uh, and that way you have him at least locked in. I don't know if Dayball looks at him. I mean, you coming from from coaching Josh Allen and now yeah. you got Daniel Jones. I think you might be looking for something a little bit a little bit better than what you have at this moment. I mean, and and if you, even if you close if one you eye, you would have like to cover your, both eyes and right both ears. eye and then squint and like tilt yeah, your no. head while he runs the football. Maybe he looks like Josh Allen if he's wearing the blue uniform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the right blue uniform, right? right? The red, white, and blue setup. There you go. Uh, this has been a fun week, Matthew. Great job as always. My pleasure. That's your producer and engineer, Matthew Rocchio, CD. My man. Have a great weekend. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.